3: Everybody. This is a big project in the making, and I'm glad you're a part of it. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of Fourth Perspective, your favorite movie podcast. This is episode 58, the history of Disney number zero, the introduction. I'm your host, Sports Five One Five, and I'm trying to look something a little bit different this time around. You see, I'm starting a new series on the history of Disney animation. And what better way to introduce it than as part of the four suspected canon of episodes. So, we're going to get into the origins of the Disney Studios, the origins of Walt Disney, right all the way up to the iconic first appearance of Mickey Mouse on screen in Steamboat Willie. And I'm not alone for this series. Uh, joining me here on the line right now, introducing first, is the president of Ed America himself, Captain Wacky. That's right, it's Mr. Eddie.
2: I guess I sort of am like the De facto Animation guy on the site if I ever got around to writing more of those. The encyclopedic or, knowledge of bullshit, I guess. <laughs> When's the next Shall We Tune In coming up? Uh, you know what? I've actually uh, got another show I listened to and uh, like a forum I'm part of. They kind of got me watching Steven Universe, and it turns out that it's actually way better than it has any right to be. So that might be the
3: next write-up soon. That should be fun. That should be a good read. And also joining me on the line here today is recommended by the Emperor himself, a Disney aficionado. We're glad to have him here. Everybody, please welcome the Force Perspective, J.D. What's up, J.D.?
0: Hey, man. I'll try to live up to my reputation. I'm, I'm real excited to be a part of this series.
3: Awesome, man. That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm excited to get this series started because, see, in the brief... Hiatus that this show had after the, the whole Oscars thing, because, you know, as we all know, Adolfo had his kid, had his daughter, so uh, he was going to take a little break from the show for a while, but he says, you know, he's ready to come back, so probably the next episode after this one will be a regular show with Adolfo. But in that hiatus, you know, I'm trying to think of what we could do in the meantime while Adolfo's away, you know, being a father and all that, so I'm seen all these Disney classics I've come across on Blu-ray I'm starting you know, to pick up that I've been kind of lagging behind on. And, you know, I said to myself, you know, a series on Disney animation would be fun. So, you know, I, I made the pitch to Big D. I said, you know, who should I get for this episode? For these episodes, I should say. And he said, well, I'm Mr. Eddie and JD. J.D. is a huge Disney mark. So those guys would be perfect for your show. So we talked about it and then I uh, handed out the invite to you guys. Thank you very much for accepting. But just as a little bit of a background as to what this show is. Now, this introduction show, we're going to get into the very origins of Disney, you know, his early life, his career, everything up to Steamboat Willie. And then we're going to start our formal series, which I'm also explaining a little bit, on Snow White. Now, uh, the whole, I guess, idea of this series is each episode, we're going to do one Disney film in chronological order, which is why we're starting with Snow White, because it's the first feature-length animated film produced by Disney. So, uh, I mean, what can we we say about Disney? It's such an, you know, it's the animation studio right now. You know, it's Disney up here, and then everybody else is down there. So, I mean, everybody has their Disney memories. Uh, We'll start with Mr. Eddie. What's your earliest Disney memory, and then what's your favorite one? My earliest one is that I have the, you know, like the
2: shadow of childhood where you have, like, vague memories that you think are real. You're pretty sure it's real, but you don't know 100% if it's actually happened. But I'm like
1: 80%
2: certain I saw the Jungle Book re-released in theaters. I'm pretty sure that I was brought to the theaters to see this as a kid. And I seem to recall that being like the first time I was ever in the movies. That's how young I was.
3: And I remember loving it, too, because it's the Jungle Book, and who doesn't love it? Yeah, Jungle Book Book is awesome, man. And we're definitely going to get to that one down the road here. But, uh, I mean, other than Jungle Boy, I mean, that's your earliest Disney memory. Do you have a favorite one? I mean, I'm sure there's, there's many.
2: Oh, I mean, there's a lot to choose from when it comes to favorite Disney memories. Um, it's way too many to choose from. I mean, I love the old Disney shorts. I mean, how do you not love all the goofy cartoons, which I don't think we're going to touch on in this one, since you said after uh, we're cutting off at theme But Willie. So, yeah. I mean, any of the goofy sports cartoons are like, I mean, I grew up on those. I love those. They're still funny today. I mean, I grew up in the golden age of uh, Disney movies, though. So, I mean, you had The Little Mermaid come out, then Beauty and the Beast, then Aladdin, then Lion King. I mean, that was like the four huge ones. They were on fire. And then Pocahontas came out. And the, the, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I, it, look, to be fair, it's not, a, it's not a bad movie, but, I mean, it's definitely a drop in quality from The Lion King. So, I mean, I grew up when, like, Disney was on fire, and I grew up playing Disney video games, too. I mean, there was a time, I mean, boys and girls listening to this, you may not realize this. There was a time when having the Disney logo on a video game did not mean it was shit, because Capcom teamed up with a lot of those games. DuckTales, fantastic game. Darkwing Duck, fantastic game. Rescue Rangers, fantastic game. Aladdin, both Sega and Super Nintendo, great
3: game. I love time. those Aladdin games, bro. I, just, I, oh, I still have memories playing down on the Genesis. One of my favorite games ever.
2: I mean, they were good games. And people argue which one's better. I had a Super Nintendo, so I'm biased. I like the Super Nintendo one better. But they were both great games. Nowadays, you slap a video game, you know, you slap a movie on a game now, it's probably going to be crap. But there was a time there when, you know, you were. it was almost guaranteed you were going to have a good game when it was done by Disney. Even uh, what I, you know, I was going to bring up later, but we can touch on it a little bit here. Since we're talking about Mickey Shorts, one of the best Mickey Mouse games, if not the best Mickey Mouse game ever, for the Super Nintendo. When you play through all the various cartoons that he was in, starting with Steamboat Willie, and then moving on through the Mad Scientist level. No, now, now you, that you
3: mention it, now that you mention it, right now, I completely forgot about this until you just brought up, like you Neil know, Mickey having his own game. I could have sworn that for the Game Gear, bro. This for the fucking Game Gear. I had a game. I, I forgot the name. I think it's called Legends of. Mickey or something, where it was basically said, like the, like, the medieval, like, the the Prince and the Pauper type of time period, and he's going through, and he has to fight Pete, he goes to all these different levels. I kind of find the name of that game, but I remember getting that game as a kid, and on the game gear, and I had a lot of fun with it, too. Like, it, it's fairly simple, but, I mean, it's Mickey, and it was a lot of fun. Now, see, now it's going to drive me crazy. i got to find what it is. Hold on. Well, we'll circle at it. <laughs>
2: What was but the name yeah, of Mickey the Mania, Super Nintendo, that's the name of the Super Nintendo game, and that game, I mean, if you're a Disney fan, go find a way to play it now, because not only is it a great game, it's a fun game, but you play through, like, all the classic cartoons. You start out working through Steamboat Mickey in a black-and-white level that slowly gets turned into color. Then you're fighting the mad scientist with the dancing skeletons. Then you're the Jack and the Beanstalk and the Prince and the Pauper, and it's just awesome.
0: What did you think of the Lion King video game, Mr. Eddie?
2: It was a solid game. I mean, it, to me, I know a lot of people love it. It felt like, you know, I think what they call it online now, they call it a float game. You know, the the game where you jump and you don't quite land. It was like the Jungle Book as well, where it, the controls feel a little slippery. After I you hang got to the- those initial games, I felt like the Lion King and Jungle Book, they weren't bad games, but the controls were not nearly as tight.
0: I hated the second level of that Lion King game. It was like impossible to uh, the, the double jump spot where you had to jump over the nest. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Because it was it a game
2: was, I rented a few times but just never could get into it. It was very yeah, frustrating.
3: Yeah, but other other than that, King,
2: I thought it was a good game.
3: Lion King was one of those games I actually never played for the console. But I don't know if you guys remember, but when the Game Gear had that promotion where it had like those, the limited edition blue Game Gear and it came with the Lion King at, as the first game, that's the one that I got for Christmas one year. That's how I got my Game Gear, that's how I started playing, uh, you know, Lion King, and I got like Batman Forever, which I never beat, by the way, because it was stupid. And then Legend of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse. That's the name of the game. It's on that, Amazon right now. You can get it for two bucks. That but, that was uh,
2: actually a good game.
3: Yeah, that was a fun game, bro. Oh, by the way, if
2: I sound like hyped up, I just drank Irish coffee, so right now I have the caffeine and sugar through me, and the alcohol hasn't kicked <laughs> in yet. So, you know. As the show goes on and the Jameson kicks in, we'll be
3: good. <laughs> yeah, but like, on the topic of video games, now they have that Disney Infinity shit, which My Little Cousins plays. It makes like a Skylanders ripoff. To so me, it doesn't make any sense.
2: I've seen my play it. I don't get it, but it's brilliant. Cause as it was explained to me, and I mean, it's exactly what it is. Imagine Pokemon if you had to buy every single Pokemon separate. Yeah, that's, uh, I can't, I can't even talk about that. a brilliant cash grab. Yeah, exactly, that's what i was about to say. Yeah, yeah those uh, uh, figures are nice. I mean, if you're a real Disney fan, I could understand why you'd want to just have the figures on your shelf. Because I would I would be lying if I said, if I could get my hands on a little Mac Amiibo for uh, the Wii, even though I don't own a Wii U, I would still want a figure of a little Mac on my desk. So I guess Disney, like, casting stones. <laughs> Disney's definitely
0: <laughs> the best when it comes to marketing, that kind of stuff, and, uh, I'm not ashamed to say I, I own Disney Infinity. Um, it it is kind of it's not it's not that great, but like you said, to have the figures, that's kind of the appeal for me. Plus, when my kids get a little bit older, I'm sure they'll enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I mean it's harmless. I mean, at least you got quality pieces. I mean, at least they didn't throw out crap. I'll give them that.
0: <laughs> the gameplay is just very. Um, it's not it's not very challenging.
3: Yeah, I it's it seems not like a that. Minecraft sort of thing, doesn't it? I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's, one,
0: That's probably the best part of it is, uh, like you said, the Minecraft part. I can't remember what the... It's like the toy box where you kind of create your own worlds, and you, yeah. can, you have, like, the Cave of Wonders and uh, Pride Rock and stuff like that. It's pretty cool, actually.
2: I mean, I could sort of see the appeal of it. It's just having to buy each piece separate for something like Minecraft. Like, again, imagine if you had to pay for each block in Minecraft.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculously uh, expensive and uh, yeah.
2: I mean, you can't <laughs> knock them for it though. I mean, no one—it's it's not the worst idea I've heard. I mean, I've, there's much worse rip-off games out there, at least. But I don't know, Kingdom Hearts is a fun Disney game too, though. Yeah, not Kingdom Hearts. But... I never played Epic Mickey, but I heard that's a good game too. Yeah, I haven't gone around to played to either one of them. And we, you know what? Epic Mickey 2 has someone we'll be starting to talk about soon. Exactly. Yeah, that's There's why I brought it up. There's a teaser. Exactly.
3: <laughs> uh, JD, your earliest Disney memory and then your favorite, if you could pick one.
0: It's hard to remember my earliest, but uh, like Ed said, I can't remember how you worded it. Uh, your shadow memories or whatever you said.
2: It's like uh, the shadows of your memories. It's
0: in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I seem to have a similar thing where um, I, I'm pretty sure that I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit in theaters, which, uh, which you know, it it's not just a, That's actually kind of a unique movie because it's the only time that uh, that Disney and I guess it was Warner Brothers, right? The guys, yeah, who yep. Looney Tunes and everything was in the same uh, great movie. By the way,
2: yeah, can but we talk on, about that? Like down the road, on
3: the can, same screen. Sunk
2: it. Can we put that on the list of movies
3: to watch later on? Oh, well, we like, definitely. So that's that's awesome. a very like it's, it's an asterisk on the list, but we're definitely talking about that one because it's how unique it is. Awesome.
0: So I seem to remember, um, like Ed said, I, I seem to remember watching that in theaters, um, and it was one of the first movies that I saw in theaters. Other than that, um, I know I had Mickey Mouse underwear, and uh, we didn't. Hit right, and we Good. started. Uh, our VHS collection. Um, I don't know how old I was. I had to be like three, maybe. Um, my mom, the first one we got was Alice in Wonderland. And from there, uh, she'd buy every single, um, Disney classic, um, all of the movies that were about, that we're going to review over the next, uh, weeks, months, whatever. Um, Alice in Wonderland was the first one that I remember having. And, um, so those, those would be earliest. And then, uh, of course, I went to Disneyland in California when I was three years old, and the first ride that I was taken on was the Matterhorn Bobsleds, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this or not, um, but it's a roller coaster uh, with the Yeti, and uh, like I said, I was three years old, so I cried and I was terrified,
3: and I, <laughs> cried, on,
0: I cried on every single ride except for It's a Small World, which uh, now would be the one ride that I would cry on. <laughs> well,
3: I, I, I could have sworn, I think on some one of these old tapes that I have sitting around here, there's like the, I think it's one of those sing-along tapes. They have like the the, the, the not the music video. It's like a, you know, it's, the, it's a Small World song, but it's taking like footage from the ride in Disneyland. That's mad creepy, bro. Like, it, it reminded me, like, I'm sure you're going to laugh at this, Mr. Eddie, of the uh Beer for Me ride at Dove Gardens. That whole sequence of the, the its essentially
0: just like that. Yeah, it's it's a good ride for um for kids, but man, it's just—it's so repetitive.
2: <laughs> Sit down. We have four more continents to get through.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as far as best memory, man, it's so hard to choose just one. um I ended up working for Walt Disney World in in Florida. Uh, between 2006 and 2008 as a jungle cruise skipper. And I I guess I would have to be up there um, just because, you know, to be a part of the company was, was a cool thing. But um, overall, I'd say just, um, just watching the movies that we're going to review over and over. I, I can't like to this day, I can't get enough of those movies. And I'm, I'm just excited to hit them all again.
2: Now, is it true that you had like a set script? You had to tell the same jokes in the same manner on every ride?
0: uh yeah there's actually uh, you're talking about jungle cruise right yep yeah so um w- when you start working there when you're going through your training, they have a specific script um but it's very outdated um so you're supposed to word for word, but nobody does they're they're kind of it's it's kind of like um if you've ever been on the great movie ride, that ride is definitely word for word the the host of that ride has to has to cite the script verbatim but for jungle cruise people kind of get away with um improvising a little bit i guess what i what i used to do is i'd ride other skippers boats and kind of see what worked with them and what jokes i thought were funny and i kind of you kind of just steal from different people and and make it your own i guess
2: Immediately when you said outdated, all I could think was the script is horribly, horribly racist. I can't say this anymore. I, can't, I cannot call these people this. Say it no, as no. it's written in the script or you're fired.
0: No, not, not like that. But, uh, you know, it's actually kind of difficult to, to tell jokes um, as an employee for Disney World because you got to keep it all rated G, you know?
2: Yeah, it kind of has to be like dad jokes. Like you know, there's the cemetery. Do you you know, how many people are dead in there? All of them.
0: Yeah, they're all very um, very bad puns. But sometimes you get um, guests that would think it was funny. It would make it it would it would be fun to tell bad jokes for ten minutes. But sometimes people would just be staring at you like uh, like you were just the stupidest person. And then and then sometimes I've had boats where um, it it was all like Brazilians. And they were all wearing like the same T-shirt. They didn't understand a word I was saying, so I would just say "Viva Brazil" and they would all go crazy. They thought it was awesome.
2: <laughs> Telling bad jokes for ten minutes—that's my entire podcast career, right there.
0: Nothing wrong with that.
2: <laughs>
3: well, well, speaking of, you can't say that anymore. Wait till we get to "Song of the South." That's going to be like a two-part episode, right? There. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, as far as me personally is concerned, I mean. Uh, I've heard that the first movie... That, not the first movie. One of the first movies that I went to as a one-year-old, of course I had no memory of this, uh, was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That they, my mother and my uncle took me to see it at the uh, theater over in Montclair when it was showing it. Uh, of course I have no memory of this. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those, like, it's weird. Like like you mentioned, Mr. Reddit, it's like this shadow memory type of thing. I have no memory of that. However, I do have a faint memory of going to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shelves to our Radio City Music Hall when I was three, even I though I really have no recollection of it. But uh, I, uh, I kind of have like that shadow pigment memory that like maybe I think I do remember being there, even though I really don't. But you only have to go by his pictures. The same thing with uh, with 101 Dalmatians when it was re-released. I, my mother took me to see it, although I really don't have a memory of that even though I kind of do and I kind of don't. It's, it's, it's really weird. Like, you think you remember, but, I mean, it was so long ago and you were so young that you really can't have a, a full memory of it. You know what I'm saying?
0: I definitely remember going to see 101 Dalmatians when it was re-released. Do you remember what year that was?
3: Wasn't it, like, 91, 92, I think?
0: That sounds right. I, I definitely remember going to see that when it was re-released in theaters.
3: Oh, wait till we get that one, because the the hero... Ub uh, E-Work was the one who saved Disney with that one but I mean we'll, we'll get to that one when we get to that one but uh as far as favorite uh, again like I'm with you guys it's just so they have such a great track record of producing quality and especially when they team with Pixar with, with the Toy Story and then all those movies just just perfection right there but I gotta say I'm sure I, I'm gonna boat with a lot of people my favorite Disney movies not even Toy Story even though like the really close up there it's uh, The Lion King. That's a lot of people's favorite Disney film, and it is mine as well. It's just such a great movie, such a perfect movie, such a great story. It's just, when we get to that one, I'm going to mark out all over
2: it. So you must be loving those new commercials that are out then. For Android? That's... Oh, no, I'm thinking the wrong one. I don't know what the hell I was thinking there. <laughs> that's a, that's a, maybe the Jameson is kicking in now.
1: <laughs> I don't know why I heard you say
2: Robin Hood. You didn't say Robin Hood. You said Lion King. But you know the Android no, the commercials yeah. I'm talking
3: about. Yeah, we'll that's, get to Robin Hood eventually, but that's, that's that's nowhere near the top for me.
2: No, that's like number two.
3: <laughs>
2: I don't even know why you, I heard you say that.
3: I don't Nobody know, Nobody says Robin I mean, Hood I mean, is their yeah, favorite. was a pretty strong Jameson, bro.
2: <laughs> it was only, it's not even a double.
3: <laughs> I wonder who who get drunk on a podcast, you were or, or a Draven. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am sure you, are not even close yet. <laughs> I don't Archive even know the why the hell service. I heard that. It was like in my head too. It was like, what a brilliant link. I'm going to link the one he said to what's going on in the in commercials now. And then it already came out of my mouth before I realized it.
0: What's or the Robin? Lolli- there's an Android Robin Hood commercial. What is this?
2: Yeah, it's it's showing like these two animals that don't go together, like a lion and a dog, like romping together, and it's playing the Oodalali song. Golly, what oh, a day! Okay.
0: Yeah, that's a good song.
2: But I have no idea what they're advertising. They just show these animals romping together, play the whole song, and then the little green
3: android pops out that says, Android.
2: And it's like, what the, what are you advertising? Just that you
3: exist? As we get started here, why don't you take a, a drink for the working man uh, of America right now? <laughs> now the bottle's downstairs, it's good. <laughs> Alright, guys, so, uh, I mean, where else can't we start but with uh, the life uh, of the man himself, Walt Disney. Uh, the guy was born on December 5th, 1901, in which is a community in chicago illinois uh his father was of irish canadian descent his mother was german english and apparently the original irish pronunciation of the last name is disigne if i'm saying that correctly but it was anglicized to disney when they moved here to the, the united states um he's the fourth of five children he's the fourth oldest you have herbert who i believe went on to become a uh mail carrier and I think I read that Roy and Walt actually asked him to be part of the animation business, but he declined. Uh, Raymond became an insurance salesman, never married. Then it was Roy, who we'll talk about Roy in a little bit, and then uh, his younger sister Ruth Disney. Um, they based Manic Man Mailman after him, right?
2: (laughs) That's a post office. Then later, (laughs) that was
1: my joke. (laughs) I'm
3: sorry. That was my joke. I was going to say Mr. Zip, though, not Magic Mailman. I can't believe, though.
2: Now, I wonder, like, when the Simpsons made that joke, if they, like, were referencing his brother. <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> I mean, they used to go, like, double and triple jokes in there, so it wouldn't surprise me if they had that planned in there.
3: <laughs> oh, well, we're going to – this when I get to it a little bit, it's going to draw an allusion to uh... – another Simpsons episode, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, in 1906 the uh, family moved to a farm up in uh, Marceline, Missouri which is apparently halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City, and while he was there, that's where uh, Walt Disney first to love drawing, because a neighbor had hired him to draw pictures of his horse, and he was also fascinated by trains at an early age, which is, which, as we will talk about a little bit, a lot of these early cartoons featured a train, or a cart in some form or fashion, and uh, it had an effect on his work years later, because his uncle was a train conductor in Marceline as well. Uh, 1909, Walt attends school for the first time, and in 1911, the family moves out of Kansas City. Disney meets uh, a schoolmate, his Walter Pfeiffer, who introduces him to the world of vaudeville and movies, and he actually starts taking Saturday classes at the Kansas Institute of Art, where he would perform also vaudeville acts with Walter in school productions, and he was a big Charlie Chaplin mark, so that also influenced his work as well. Uh, 1917, uh, the family moves back to Chicago, where I think his father bought a share of this jelly manufacturer, and Walt Disney takes classes at Chicago Academy of Fine Arts, and he became a cartoonist for the school paper. So, in World, This is during World War One, and when World War One happened, Walt wanted to go into the Navy, but he was denied because he was underage. So he joins the Red Cross, and he becomes an ambulance driver for them actually, he actually got in there by lying. He said he was 17 instead of 16, what he really was. So, uh, and then he drove ambulances for the Red Cross in France until well after the end of World War I. Because I believe they didn't, the armistice, even though the armistice happened in 1918, you know, they were still conducting like the operations. To well into 1918, 1919, which is when Walt finally came home from France. And when his father offered him a job at that jelly manufacturer, Walt declined and start his artistic career after that. So I don't know if you guys have any comments or any stuff to add in. No, I'm good. I made my stupid joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, Walt began his career. He briefly considered being an actor before devoting himself to animation full-time. And uh, when he had trouble finding work, Roy got him a job at the Pesman Rubin Art Studio, which is where he created ads for newspapers, magazines, movies, that type of stuff. And it was here that Walt met Ub Eworks. After they left Teshman and Ruben, they started a company together. Now, we're going to talk about Ub Eworks a little bit because that guy, he's credited right now for single handedly saving Disney, I believe, in the 30s or 40s or whatever year it was that, uh, well, not the 30s, the 60s. It was like in the 60s when 101 Dalmatians came out, which we'll get to more in detail when we do that episode. But Ub Eworks was the co creator of both Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and Mickey Mouse. And he spent most of his career with Disney. They had a brief falling out in the, uh, I believe, in 1930, 1931, around that time. Uh, Steamboat Willie was animated almost entirely by E-Works, as was the first silly symphony cartoon, Skeleton Dance. Uh, he did some work with Looney Tunes in 1937 with the Porky Pig cartoons. And uh, after his fallout with Disney, he opened the EWorks studio in 1930, but it folded by 1936. He didn't really have much success there. And uh, when Eworks returned to Disney in 1940, he developed the live-action animation blend using Song of the South. And like I mentioned earlier, he single-handedly saved Disney Studios money on the production of 101 Dalmatians by developing the Xerox animation process, which is called Xerography. And that minimized uh, the amount of people that had to actually draw all the cells. And uh, we'll get more into that method when we do 101 Dalmatians. But because of the not-so-big success of Sleeping Beauty, they had to reduce staff at Disney, so when 101 Dalmatians began production, they were working with basically half staff, so um, Eworks developed developed the uh, the method to make the animation process uh, more efficient and better, I should say, without the, the need for staff. Uh, his special effects work outside of Disney included his Oscar-nominated work on The Birds, Alfred Hicks the Birds, and uh, he finally, he passed away in 1971 at the age of 70, so Pretty much considered a legend uh, in Disney lore. I don't know if you guys have any more comments about uh, eworks. No, I think he covered it all. I mean, the life that that guy had, though. I mean, if yeah, you think about
2: everything that he did.
3: Exactly. He's a legend. He's one of the big legends uh, of the Disney Studios. So, uh, And he worked with Walt very closely around this early period as well. So, once... Uh, Disney and eWorks left Peshman Rubin. They decided to form their own uh, animation company. But after they had a rough start there, they kind of took like little little jobs here to you know help finance it. And finally, they came up with Laughagram Studios. So Disney became interested more in animation after working for the Kansas City Film Ad Company and working with cutout animation. But he decided that you know cell animation was the future. It was gonna be more efficient than the cutout that he was working with. Here. Um, it was presented as Newman Lafagram Films after Frank Newman, whom Disney EWORKS agreed to have distribute the film in his uh, little movie theater that he owned. I was kind of opened... open
2: that Lafagram was his last name. That would have been great, bro. <laughs> <would have> been...
3: <laughs> like his name was Newman Lafagram. I mean, that would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> and it officially opened, though, on, on May 19, 1922. It folded about a year later due to bankruptcy. Uh, they were paying out all these high salaries to these employees, but they weren't making enough profit to justify it, so they had to file for bankruptcy. Uh, employees included, you know, E-Works himself, Hugh Harmon, that's right, the Hugh Harmon of Harmon and Ising, Fritz Friedling, who worked on Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies up at Warner Brothers, and Carmen Maxwell, who a lot of people don't know, was the voice of Bosco on Looney Tunes. Now, if you don't know who Bosco is, he pretty much predates Bugs Bunny as far as Looney Tunes goes. I don't know if you guys are, are, are familiar with him. Was Bosco pre-Buddy or post-Buddy? Isn't it pre? I, I could have sworn Bosco was like the first like major Looney Tunes.
2: Yeah, I feel like it was Bosco then Buddy, and then you had like the Looney Tunes after that. Yeah. Yeah, they used to play him all the time in Nickelodeon back in the day.
0: I know who you're talking about, but I didn't know his name was Bosco until just now. <laughs>
3: The, now the Laugh-O-Gram stuff. Now I, I sent you, I think, one of the Laugh-O-Gram, uh, uh cartoons, and I also sent you a Laugh-O-Gram production called Tommy Tucker's Tooth. Now the story behind this is that Disney was given $500 <laughs> by a local dentist in the Kansas City area to produce a, a dental hygiene short. And, that is uh, not that's the how story. Tommy Tucker's Tooth came into being. What was that? That story is not
2: true. A satanic cult told Walt Disney, scared the <laughs> shit out of the children. We want you to just." Fuck their minds up royally. Here's 500 bucks. What can you do? Try to do something with teeth. That fucks everyone up. <laughs> I mean, that is. I mean, the the dental demons. Holy
3: crap!
2: And then like the was, slow decay wacky, the teeth. <laughs> I
3: gotta <do> this. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, that, 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 but this is charming. <laughs> yeah, basically, for those who haven't seen it, it's basically you know, it it starts with this lady in front of like a you know, kind of children, just telling them a story about two kids, Tommy and Jimmy. You know, Tommy has great hygiene habits and he knows how to take care of his teeth while Jimmy thought brushing your teeth was for girls. And it goes on to talk about what happened to Jimmy's teeth because I'm not brushing, and yeah, it gets pretty wet. Yeah, this already alluded to just now. <laughs> it gets freaking batshit crazy. I love it though. <laughs>
2: but it's like, 'cause they mix like the live action, just still shot of teeth, and then they start animating demons in there. And like, and then they like to eat the teeth.
3: Huh?
2: That's what's going on in
3: there. <laughs> now the laughogram stuff. I mean, I sent you this one. I sent you the. Uh, the other one, I mean, I don't think it had a name. It was just a, like a mix of like three different shorts. Um, what are your guys' impressions of that?
2: I actually like the laugh one. The laugh one that we actually watched was, uh, like you said, it was the first Disney short, like, like the first like official one. And it was mostly, you know what it reminds me of? It was almost like YouTube nowadays when you watch someone speed draw. And you watch them like draw a picture just sped up. And that's basically what it was. You're watching someone draw, like, the first one was, like, a political cartoon. In fact, a few of them seemed like they were political cartoons for Kansas. And it was actually an interesting style to watch it get drawn
3: in such like, an old-timey way. What's the name what? of that guy, bro, that became famous in, like, the 70s? So, like, he had, like, his own show. I forgot the guy's name. But, like, he had, like, the Afro, and then you'd watch him, like, paint. Oh, uh, Bob. Bob Ross. There you go. That's what this reminded me of. Like, something like that. That's, it was kind of cool, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought this... I mean, and it didn't go on too long, and it was actually really kind of cool. I don't know how much animation that counts as, since I think they were just photographing, like, videotaping someone drawing, except for the last part where, the, you know, they, uh, like, fired all the cops. That was animated. Yeah,
3: and... and uh, the, so, go ahead, J.D.
0: I had never actually seen any of the lapograms uh before. before. Do, do you know if they ever... I know they released a bunch of the old cartoons... In um, collector sets, I think they're out of print now. Did they Did they release uh, a set on the laughagrams
3: I actually don't know. I mean, I haven't actually looked at. I don't know if you know, Mister Eddie. No, I mean
2: honestly, I've heard of laughagrams just you know, just through reading books and stuff. But I never. This was the first time I actually watched them. The next one we talk about, I'd seen a one or two of them, but this was the first time I saw laughagrams
0: Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Um, basically, what Mister Eddie said. Uh, I mean, it's, it's cool to watch it just because knowing the history, but it's not really something that I'd uh, – I'd probably never watch it again.
2: You know, I hate to say that. I mean, I really hate to say that because I love animation, and you have to know the history and all that. But a lot of these old ones, you watch them for the history's sake and because you have to, but a lot of them aren't fantastic. I mean, you appreciate the technology and how revolutionary it was, and just watching a cartoon, something do something on the screen a hundred years ago probably made people shit their pants. But nowadays, a lot of times it's just the same loop over and over again, and it's just set to music. So I think that's why I like the Laughgram so much because it actually kind of felt different. Like this was a completely different style. It wasn't like two cartoon cats singing to each other and dancing. It was this guy <laughs> drawing cartoons, and then it felt like almost like a how, almost like a cross between a how-to and like, political commentary from, like, 100 years ago.
3: Yeah, it, it was kind of cool in the sense that, like, he would start drawing, and I'm, I'm trying to guess what it is. And then by the end of it, it's, like, completely different from what I literally thought. That's what I kind of like about that. Like, it keeps you guessing all the way until the end when he actually, when he finishes, and, you know, oh, that's what he's going for. Like, the window display. I, yeah, I the window display was I thought was he was kinda, cool. like, drawing, like, trying to draw three different women when it's actually a lingerie display, which is kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it kind of gave you, like, well, that's what silent times. That's probably what you would have seen in a newspaper at the time. So out of, out of all the shorts, except for when we get to Mickey, because Mickey's awesome, I think that was my favorite out of the ones we watched.
0: Really? Like because yeah. um, there were a couple pretty funny parts, I thought, in, um, like, the Alice's Wonderland.
2: Um, yes. Thought, um, the beginning.
0: Yeah, I thought it was fun. I was laughing when the mouse was stabbing the cat. that's that, that, yeah,
2: that was funny. But you know what? Um, that was kind of similar, though. Watching cartoon, watching it like come to life on the page was very original. The second half of the short felt like every other cartoon of the period.
0: That's true because that that part, and then the guys like um,
2: the guys, guys gathered,
0: gathered around the the dogs fighting. That that was pretty funny too. Oh, I thought so, they yeah. were
2: cats. <laughs> Say again? I thought they were cats.
0: They might have been, I don't if they know. They were
2: some kind of animal, but yeah, watching those two cats, like, box, and they even had, like, the bell, and they counted, that was really cool. I mean, the whole short could have just been stuff happening in the animation studio. Yeah, after that, it kind of went downhill. Yeah, when she's dreaming, and then she goes to Wonderland, and she's dancing around, and then they're doing so. It really does feel like, again, I hate to nitpick, because, I mean, it's, it's the product of the times. It was amazing then, but after, you know, 90 years of evolution of animation, it's a li- some of them are a little dull. <laughs> Although
0: the lion eating the bars was pretty cool too.
3: Yeah, it was kind of cool. <laughs> All right, yeah, that was awesome. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, so let's just wrap up o Grams really quickly. Um, so what happened? So, like I said, they went bankrupt, and then at this point, uh, Roy became Walt's partner, and they formed the Disney Brothers Studio, and they both moved to Hollywood, as did uh, E. works and his family. Now, the Alice comedies, the Alice comedies, were started while at o Gram, but they were never done because of the failure of the studio. Um, in 1923, Walt and Roy tried to find distributors for them, and they eventually did. So they were able to finance and they were able to finish a lot of them. Uh, Virginia Davis played Alice in the comedies for much of the series run, and then after that, it kind of switched between different young actresses at the time. Um, I, I don't want to step popularity. on your toes, but uh,
2: I can briefly explain why, because you said an actress there. Briefly explain what you know, you're talking about. that It's not strictly
3: animation. People who didn't see it might not know that. Uh, yes thank you mr eddie so basically what it was basically the alice comedy have to do with alice who's it's a live action shot it's it's a real little girl alice who has these dreams and then all her dreams are animated so it's basically her you know her the actress herself in with you know and makes an animated world kind of it's i mean it's co- commonplace now because you know we have the technology cgi and all that but i'm Sure, back then, 1923 or whenever this came out, that was pretty big, you know, to have, like, a live-action little girl right in the middle of a, of a cartoon. too that was, that was pretty revolutionary, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was way before.
2: I mean, even when Gene Kelly was dancing with Jerry the Mouse, I mean, and that was pretty cool back in the day. This is 20 years before that, if not more.
1: <laughs>
2: or Al Capone dancing on top of a flagpole. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm going to throw out – I mean, I hope I'm not, like, stepping on your toes for, like, a bit you're going to do later, but um, Alice in Wonderland is the one we watched, and, you know, Alice was the subject of those shorts. Have you ever seen the Easter egg in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Which one? The one that says Alice was here,
3: and Uh, it's a direct
2: reference to the old Alice cartoons. As he's walking through the – when Eddie Valiant is walking, like, into, like, the busted bathroom, and there's no floor, and he drops, and that's when he gets, like – dicked over by Tweety Bird and Mickey and Oh, right. Bugs. Yes, near the end.
3: On the, end. the
2: bathroom wall is like a message from Alice.
3: Like oh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's
2: right. That's awesome. That's how I first found out about these old cartoons. On one of those, hey, did you know this was in the background? I'm like, oh, they're talking about Alice in Wonderland, the Disney cartoons. Like, no, actually it predates even that. The Alice comedies.
3: That's right. That's awesome, bro. I, I, never, I never knew what that was. I mean, that's, I mean, that was so cool.
2: And that's why that yeah. movie
3: was so good, because we'll that's get to that great, too, but just bro. the detail they put in. Anything get that gets that much lot effort lot of put
2: good. into it always turns out good. Well, it's, it's very hard Alice to like, put that much effort into something and have it like, just not be awesome. Exactly.
3: But I mean, before we get into like, you know, Alice's Wonderland, the, the actual Alice comedy kind of lost popularity by 1927. They kind of focused too much on the animated characters according to like, the critics at the time. And the premise exhausted itself by that time as well, so it lost popularity. But its most famous short was Alice's Wonderland. And uh, Mr. Ray, if you could just give, like, a brief synopsis of what it is. I mean, it's only, like, a 12-minute cartoon I kind of gave away most of it. But what happens in this one? Because this one's kind of cool. This one is pretty
2: cool. And honestly, the critics of the day didn't like it because there was not enough live-action bits. I mean, did they think, like, animation was, like, the devil or something? Like, it was some kind of black magic? I
3: I think what they meant was that, like, it focused too much on the animated characters, instead of Alice, you know, the live-action little girl who's like, no, it's a
2: weird criticism for considering it was like a short before a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's just I weird guess. to focus on that one part. It's like, animation is black magic. I don't know how the hell they make those things move on screen, but it can't be something good. <laughs> two out of five stars.
1: <laughs>
2: no, uh, Brett, I would give it four out of ten. <laughs> I'll give it two
3: and a quarter. That's it. Not enough work rate.
2: My <laughs> does not have the ever. work rate
3: in this. <laughs> My lowest rating ever. Seven thumbs up.
2: <laughs> All right, so the premise of Alice in Wonderland, it starts off that little Alice goes visit, I believe it's actually Walt Disney as the for, original animator, right? That, that right. Is him, yeah, right? That's him,
0: right? It looks right. like him.
2: So she goes in to see, like, this animation studio, because back in the day, I guess any child can walk into any building and you just get a tour, because we didn't have, like, Amber Alerts back then. So she goes in and she's able to, they're like, come on in. I, no sound, but it's actually, you know what? The acting's really good. You can kind of tell exactly exactly what the general mood of the room is. So she can sit down and he just just just
3: draws a little bit. Uh, Real quick, just elaborate on that point, Mr. Eddie. I learned in film school that you can tell when you're watching good acting if you can watch the movie on mute and you know exactly what's going on. That's how you can tell what great acting is. Just watch a a regular movie on mute, and if you still understand what's going on, then you know that the actors are doing their job. That's a a really good point. I like that.
2: You know what? That's I mean, you have why to, we'll you have get to do it all the time way with in the future. The
3: silent film era. Sorry, you go first. No, I was going to say, you have to do that all the time with the silent film era. I mean, you had the subtitles, you know, the little title cards that told you what was going on. But in the silent film era, that's what you have to go by, the, the motions and, you know, the, the, you know just the uh, body language And I was going to say, we'll get to it much, much later, but that's why I always gush
2: about the film Rally, That you have two robots that don't actually talk other than just saying their names, and you get every single, you know exactly what they're thinking, what their emotions are. Oh, I, I love Wally, bro. the subtext of that, it's, it's full of subtext, I love it. I mean, like they, you said, you can watch that movie with no dialogue, and you know exactly what's going on. Yep. There's
0: no dialogue for, like, the first 45 minutes or so, right? Or is it, am I exaggerating? Something like
2: that. And I don't think, I, I mean, maybe the little kids are lost, but any adult watching it knows exactly what's going on. They know the emotions, they know what
3: the characters are thinking. That's quality right there.
2: Yeah, great. yeah.
3: I, I just I just love that movie. Just the the messages underneath and the subtext, it's it's full of it. But we'll get to that it. in like two years, so we'll be good. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so anyway,
2: so the best part of the uh, the story that I think in this cartoon is they start drawing things and they come to life on the page. Like there's this brief bit where he draws a doghouse and this dog keeps getting kicked out by a cat. And again, this is what I'm talking about, like the repetitiveness of like the old cartoons. Because the, the dog gets kicked out of the house like six times. And again, a hundred years ago, it was right. like still awesome that he's getting kicked out of this house. Uh, there, but the best scene, like we talked before, was uh, there's a scene where either two dogs or two cats are boxing each other. And now all the oh, animators are watching really this. What? <laughs> no, I'm saying that's a great one. That is awesome. And the cat one is really good, too. They have a live-action cat that's basically being teased by a cartoon mouse.
0: That made me laugh out loud.
2: That was, actually, you know what, that did make me laugh out loud, too. That was really, really good. So then after she gets to visit uh, the animation studio, she goes home, she goes to sleep, and then she enters, like, the cartoon land, where she comes in on a train, and the train does a bunch of wacky stuff up and down hills, uh, you know, typical animation of the time. And they sing and they dance, and she dances along, but never with the cartoons because they didn't quite have that level of animation yet. And then she gets chased by lions, and she wakes up. Like I said, the second half is very weak, I feel. Like, it's very typical of, it's almost like a silly symphony that we'll get to later, where, you know, it's more the music and just images put along with the music. Is that right. fair to say, the second half of it?
3: Yo, know, how wacky was it with those lines, bro? He said, got his teeth and sharpened them right in front of her. Yeah, that's
2: what, there's, <laughs> seriously, those old cartoons, though. I'm not joking. There's a, like, I, I showed you a clip earlier tonight. And I don't know if we'll talk about it at all, but there's a reason why, like, these old cartoons, like, help start, like, the creepypasta genre of lost episodes. Because some of that imagery, I mean, as an adult, it doesn't bother you that much. But as a kid, he pulls his teeth out of his mouth, pulls out a file, and starts filing down his teeth. And I'm like, holy shit, then plucks the hair off his head and makes sure his teeth are sharp by, like, swiping it, the hair over the teeth and it just, like, splits in half. Oh, like he pulled his heel. What the fuck is wrong with the Ellen? Their teeth back in the day? That's like what like he fears.
3: <laughs> I thought some of those rabbits were goners, too, because she kept out running them. And I'm like, oh no, they're going to show the lion eating the rabbit. It's going <laughs> to get bad.
2: He's going to swallow them whole, because back in the day, there was no rules. <laughs>
0: what was the deal with all the lions coming out of the back of the cage?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, he, they needed he, to move the plot along, bro.
3: bro. And then all of the, like fifty lions just <laughs> jumped out. <laughs> it was fucking wacky, bro.
2: Well, I think again, part of the problem back in the day, and it does get—I mean, it does get solved and solved wonderfully later on. Again, it was more about showing off the animation and less about telling the story, because they knew how to tell stories back in the day. I mean, you know, there's a lot of silent films that have great stories. This was more—well, we have to move the plot along, lions. Here you go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man but uh that's uh that's basically how the alice comedies went it was a similar premise to that just different little stories you know <laughs> alice's day at sea and then the other ones i mean i don't i don't know all of them but uh, oh, there I was know, a bunch which he did
2: after you showed me like watch this one i looked it up there's a bunch of them back in the day yeah it but was a I... little series I'm pretty sure. I mean, I might be completely talking out my ass, but I'm pretty sure they were all shown in theaters like before major movies. Or you'd go to the theater for hours and you'd watch like a film and two shorts and a newsreel and then another cartoon. Yeah, and they I, had a contract to distribute them. So
3: yeah, they were shown before uh, before films. Because my dad
2: always said, I mean, when he used and he still talks about it today, that when he when he was a kid, he used to go to the movies. He was born in the late '30s, so we'll say like mid '40s when he would go to the movies. It was an all day thing. It wasn't like how we go now. We used to go for hours. We used to watch like two movies and two shorts and a newsreel. And it's like, man, I kind of wish we still did that today.
3: Yeah, man. Um, I guess there's the there's newsreel kind of like a, wouldn't of a work. i got an era that I kind of wanna, I would like to live in. You but know, you know what? Pixar is kind of bringing
2: that back. Pixar and Disney, you always get a short with their movies now.
3: Yeah, I think what's what's the new one that's coming out that they're doing, with having the Frozen. Short attached to it, I forgot what what it is it's a, I think it's a, it's a Pixar one is remember. that the one with
2: the girls who has all the the emotions in her head i I, I think so <laughs> I don't remember the name I want to see it, but I can't think of the the name It's basically oh, that's to right. You're,
3: you're right that's the one the one where like the the feelings are like characters So like anger and like all, hunger and all that stuff so like I mean it looks great and I'm, I'm sure yeah. I
2: get the feeling though it's been a while since up. This is going to be the one that like rips your heart out. This one is going to be the uh, one you go and think it's going to be good, and it's still going to be good, but it's just going to punch you, like, right square in the heart, like, ten minutes in. I agree. I mean, it's been up, up
3: itself, when we get to Up, bro, the, uh, the, the waterworks are going to start going with that. Cause that oh, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I had to take out a few tissues with that one. <laughs> I fully admit
2: it, too. I have told a story on the air before. I went to go see this. I would – it was a rough day. It, like, it was like a rough week. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see a Pixar movie. It's in theater. It's up. It's going to be funny. I'm going to love it. And like 10 minutes in, it's like, I wanted to see a movie about a house that gets carried away by balloons and a dog that yells squirrel. I did not <laughs> sign up for this.
3: <laughs> and when we get to Cars, bro, I can't wait to bury that That That's probably my most hated one ever.
2: Now, you most see, I don't movies. hate Cars. It's I not hate. as good as the others, but... It's no Pocahontas. It's
3: <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go on, on, a, on a burial. I'm gonna take out the, the the shovel
2: and bury that shit six feet under. <laughs> I didn't hate cars. It was good for what it was. Cars too <laughs> start getting long in the tooth and planes and all that. But the original cars, it was okay. The stupid arguments that people have against it. Well, how do people fill them up? Who? Why are they co- people? How are their houses? It's like it's a fucking cartoon. It's <laughs> Back 1920s, I mean, you didn't worry about why the rabbit has a trolley. I, w- I will say that the first Cars is the one I hated the least but for me that's not saying <laughs> see I didn't hate them. I can't say I hate them because they were okay for what they were they, you know what the problem is I think if Disney released them nobody would care but it was Pixar that released them and after all like the heavy hits they had
0: they didn't live standard, up standard you know. yeah
2: I think if it was like if Cars came out we'll say after Brother Bear they would say oh it's a fun movie there's nothing wrong with that it was good, but the problem that it was following like all those heavy hitters like Ratatouille and Toy Story and oh, Monsters yeah. Inc.
3: It didn't live and, up. And speaking of Brother Bear because I forgot to make this point at the beginning, because you know there was a Brother Bear two that I believe was straight to straight to video. There was a well, lot do, of straight to videos. We're not covering when, when those, we, are we? When we do films that have straight to video sequels like The Lion King, like Pocahontas. We're going to try to squeeze those in in the same episode instead of giving it its own because we're only devoting episodes to theatrical releases. You're not oh, going to, to watch you. Cinderella it's 3, not me, are you? Episode.
0: Those sequels are banned from my house.
2: I don't have to watch Cinderella 3, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella's do we Cinderella's well, magical world as well? <laughs> well yeah, at least one? the Aladdin sequels were okay. It led to a the cool of okay yeah, I agree. <laughs>
3: I, ironically enough, I like King of Thieves more than Return of Jafar.
2: Yeah, me you know, too.
3: I, I could see that. Yeah, I didn't
2: mind Return of Jafar though. It actually led to, like I said, a lot. People are really split on this,
3: but I yeah, like I like the I, Aladdin I, cartoon theory. Yeah, I like Return of Jafar, you know, a, a lot too. But however, I mean, you know, I love Dan Castellaneta, bro, but Robin Williams is the genie. That's it. You know, I, I couldn't accept him as the genie. It yeah, had, had a better story. where story uh, the failure too. was. Well, we'll get that's to It had 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 a much better that's story. It had a richer story. Yeah, I liked it too. And uh but I mean uh, King of Thieves was just to me had a better story, had a Robin Williams was back, so that helped it a lot too.
1: <laughs> no, I agree I mean, we'll, completely.
2: Yeah, we'll get to all that. But like but number two, this... like I said, number two was all, all number two was was to set up a series. That's all it was. It introduced like the character of Abiz it introduced <laughs> it <came laughs> bro, small, <laughs> the Genie came back
3: Abbe bro.
0: King King of Thieves was kinda like the series finale too, if you yes, think about pretty it. Pretty much.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'll go go, go bro, I love and... that name, Abismal, bro. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, was
2: Jason... Am I crazy, or was Jason Alexander Abismal? He was. Okay. I thought so.
3: Like I said, George I didn't Santa. hate Aladdin.
2: Some people hated the Aladdin series. I thought
3: it was good for what it was. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like a, you
2: know, a loyal watcher of that. It was no DuckTales. It was no Rescue Rangers. But on the flip side, it was no... Um, what was the one with the cat and the dog uh, hold on that's
0: cat dog mind. That's Nickelodeon
2: no that was Nickelodeon it was even worse than that <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember it, it only had like it was, it was also no like the the tails ripoff. what was it quack pack it was no quack pack what about gummy bears gummy bears was awesome
0: gummy bears was awesome
2: gummy bears was awesome I mean if you're going to be like a critic and you have to like really rank them I think gargoyles was probably the best out of all the whole set because that was awesome. I mean, that was epic. It was funny. It was dark. I mean, even as an adult, you watch it, and it's like still good. But I have a soft spot in the Disney lineup for me. I mean, that's always going to be a soft spot. Never really loved Goof Troop. But I appreciate it for what it was. Not the movie, oh, the series.
3: The Disney afternoon, bro, was the highlight of my childhood. Like, at least when I was in first and second grade, they had all sorts of DuckTales. Hell, they I get, watched that uh, was I, when I was in seventh and eighth duck. grade.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that shit was Tail, so good then.
0: <laughs> Tailspin.
2: Tailspin. Tailspin, bro. That's right. You know what? Since we'll probably never talk about that because they're not movies. I'll say Tailspin. Go back and watch Tailspin again. That was never my favorite as a kid. As an adult, it's one of the best ones. You don't appreciate like the art style and like this Art Deco of all the buildings and this nineteen twenties noir feeling holy crap, this was actually a really good series.
0: I like how you how they used a bunch of the characters from uh, the Jungle Book for that show, too.
2: <laughs> that
3: was weird. Exactly. Like Baloo there was, like, like a no reference for it.
0: Cher Khan was, like, an evil businessman.
2: King Louie ran a, like, bar that never served alcohol. Clearly a bar. <laughs> <laughs> There's no getting around where that place was.
3: By the way, I just looked it up the... Uh, there were between 1923 and 1927, there were 57 Alice comedies, bro. How about See? that
2: shit? This was hot shit back in the day.
3: But you Alice know what? Like sturdy. I said, you watch it
2: today, you have to take the, the time scale. You can't just watch it today and be like, this sucks. This is no, no, You have you to pre- like, look at it like for the time that it came out. This stuff was revolutionary.
0: You appreciate it for the history. That's, that's what it is.
2: I mean, imagine sitting there in like 1925, and there's this live-action girl being intermixed with animation, which is still pretty new at the time. Animation is still kind of revolutionary. And you're looking at this. This had to be, like, you probably couldn't pull your eyes off the screen. I mean, this is probably, like, imagine if, like, next year, Google came out with, like, holograms. Like, it's like Star Trek, uh, Star Wars. And you're looking at, like, 3D images right in your room. And then you go 100 years past that, and now they're super high-quality holograms, and you could touch them. You're, people are gonna be like, yeah. "How could you be impressed by that shit back then?" But
3: if that <laughs> came out next year, all our minds would be blown. Well, getting on track here though. Um, after the Alice comedies uh, ended their run in 1926, the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio officially became the Walt Disney Studio, and they moved into a new studio in the Silver Lake District of Hollywood. Um, now we want to 1927 and our boy Oswald. Now, no wait, can I interrupt Disney- you super quick?
2: Because you're the historian here with this and you have all that information.
3: Do you have, and I'm not being a
2: smartest when I ask this. I actually mean this legitimately and curious. Why was it called the Walt Disney Studio when he had his other brothers working with them, and before it was called like the Disney Brothers? How come it was the Walt Disney Studios after that?
3: Um, I believe I forgot who was the interviewed, but they basically summed that up in one sentence. Like Walt had the ideas, but his brother Roy was the one who put the ideas into action with his money. So, yeah, I mean, it was Walt Disney coming up with all these ideas, but the brother basically funded it. It was just the one brother. The other brothers didn't work with them in the studio. It was just Roy. But, uh, yeah, basically it had to do with Walt Disney being the idea guy. And it's funny because I just watched the latest Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you guys watched that, but they had the whole thing, the argument of idea versus execution, who should get the most credit, the guy with the idea or the guy who makes the idea happen. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting now when I think about that, I think about this, you know, Walt Disney was the idea guy, but yet because Roy was able to fund all these ideas, they were able to, you know, they actually make the ideas happen. So who deserves more credit? I mean, it's it's kind of interesting when you think about it.
2: It is. And the only reason why I thought that was because I have been listening to you. You said that, you know, before it was, they found it like they called themselves the Disney Brothers or something to that effect. And now it got changed to just Walt.
3: Yeah, exactly. But. I, I, I'm pretty sure, after, I guess it was an, an agreement between the brothers, and since Walt was the one coming up with everything, they figured like she, we'll name the studio after Walt.
2: I mean, honestly, I'm pretty Walt sure Disney that just down. sounds
3: better, too, as a company than Roy Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I know what you mean, but... I mean, now, the Disney studio at this point, 1927, was hired by Charles Mintz, who's like a film producer, to develop a new animated series for Universal Studios. And that series became Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Now, Walt Disney decided on a rabbit because, at this point, he felt there was an overabundance of cats in the business, like Felix the Cat, Crazy Cat. So, he figured, let's go with a rabbit this time. And the first official Oswald cartoon that was released was Trolley Troubles. Now, I sent you guys, you know, the video of Trolley Troubles. Um, JD, I know it's only like a five-minute cartoon, but maybe could you sell up for everybody what goes on in that one?
0: Um, to be honest, I... Didn't really watch that one all the way through, but I know uh Oswald was in some kind of trolley and um <laughs> and there he, was trouble what we'll, we'll
3: gave you that idea
0: <laughs> who did he have who did he have with him he had um
2: he had like fifty kids.
0: It was yeah, kids. Like
2: Fifty different rabbits.
0: She so, so had whatnot. some kids with him, and then there was like a goat or something. You know what? The, seriously,
2: you honestly could have gotten away with just saying there was a trolley and there was trouble because <laughs> that was basically the whole plot.
1: There, there, was, a goat <laughs> there, there was nothing was, this he had just cartoon. At the trolley. He would have good, actor. <laughs> right. Well,
0: I, I know he was trying to get up this slope and he couldn't get up, and then the goat like pushed him up. That was the part that I saw.
3: So basically, yeah, basically like Oswald, he introduced Oswald. He's kind of a prick because. He sprayed oil in kids' faces, and he decided to build his trolley, bro. <laughs> and then, uh, he goes up for a test run, and like, all the little kids to hop on in it. And uh, he gets, like, a cow gets in the way, so he has to go under the cow, which I don't know how that's possible, but hey, it's a cartoon, as Peter Griffin once said. And then uh, they had trouble going up the slope, so they have to get the goat to ram him to go all the way down the, up the slope. It was pretty wacky, and then I think at the end, like, it gets destroyed for some reason. I forgot why, but... Oh, I, I remember what happened. He went
2: up this giant hill, and then coming down, he, like, lost control, so they're whipping around turns left and right, and they reuse the animation, like, a thousand times, where his kids are getting thrown off on every curve, and then finally he just goes right off a cliff, lands on the ocean, or a river, and he just turns... And, he starts, to...
3: and he starts rolling the truck. Yeah, he turns in it into a car. rowboat.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm watching it right yeah. now. <laughs> why is this cow wearing glasses?
2: It's nearsighted.
0: That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense.
3: <laughs> well, bro, what what a dick Oswald is, it, bro. I mean, I I get kids can be annoying brats. I mean, Mr. Eddie, I'm sure you can attest to that. But, I can honestly
2: say I've never squirted motor oil in anyone's face. Though. There you
3: go, right?
0: <laughs> well, this counts kind of actual too, though.
2: That cow is an asshole. That cow is an absolute dick in this cartoon. Because he's like, you could see, again, through with the animation, you can see that he's asking nicely, could you please move And He's basically it like, screw for
0: you. And then he walks away after Oswald g- gets around him. So he, didn't even, he was just there because he was being a dick. Yeah, pretty much.
3: See, I thought they were going to run his ass over, but then instead of doing that, they just went underneath him, which doesn't make any sense. Well, he does try, try to run, run him, him over. over.
2: He slams right into it, but the cow—he bounces off the cow, and like the kids
3: fall That's off, right. and the trolley gets banged right. around. Like the, the the cow was made of like brick or something. That was like the only <laughs> funny moment in the whole <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> and That's the cow
0: bitch slaps him with his tail too.
3: I really thought they were gonna run the cow over because it's like old cartoons. Now what I didn't get was was the goat trying to actually help him, or did he just ram them because he was a dick? And then Oswald was like, you know what? Let's just use the goat to get me up the hill. I don't know. Oh, because the goat just, was a dick. He had yeah, that no look was in his
0: eyes great. like he was just being a dick. He saw I think the, you the, know
3: what? It's the old cartoon
2: trope. The goat saw an ass, so he had to hit someone in the ass. In fact, even when he uses the pole, he's like wiggling his ass at the goat, and the goat's trying to ram it the whole time. That's why he's pushing him up the hill. Because swiggity swooty, that goat's going for the booty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, needless to say, guys, Oswald was a big success for Universal. He moved a lot of merchandise, you know, better than John Cena. And uh uh 1928. I,
0: guess, I gotta say I like the uh I like the comparisons between uh wrestling and, and Disney for these podcasts. I hope that is a trick.
3: <laughs> you hope they continue, right? Because there's a lot of similarity.
2: Well, to That's be fair, true. Oswald is a much more fleshed out character than Roman Reigns.
3: There you go. <laughs> So in 1928, Disney went to renegotiate a higher fee for producing Oswald, but Charles Mintz actually wanted to reduce his compensation, and then when Mintz gave him the ultimatum, either take the lower pay or leave, Disney said, I'm leaving, and he was on his own again. So what sucked was that Mintz owned the trademark on Oswald, and he also had the contract on his animators, Harmon, Freeling, and Maxwell, and they were contracted to Mintz, so they weren't going anywhere. So the only one that actually said, you know, fuck you, Mintz was, he works, and he went, you know, he and Disney were back together again, but they were basically starting in from the bottom because, you know, their their creation, Oswald, was no longer their property. It wasn't until 2006, bro, 2006, that Disney finally reacquired the rights to Oswald, the Lucky Rabbit, and that was the whole I, thing with him being Epic Mickey. They finally got him back, and they were able to include him in the game. And it's, it's funny, it's just like, they traded. It's weird. NBC Universal traded Al Michaels to Disney, or was it the other way around? No, 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 no. it was the other way around. Disney traded Al Michaels to NBC Universal, and NBC Universal and in return gave him Oswald. So a cartoon character got traded for a real sports broadcast.
2: You know what? There's a wrestling reference there again, I feel.
3: (laughs) But you know what? Just
2: be super – I mean, I hate being serious because that's not what I'm here for. But just be. just throw this out real fast, you said how long was it before they got like the rights to their own creation back?
1: 2006. 2006.
2: Yeah, and that, ladies and gentlemen, right there is why like the copyright laws need to be looked at again. There's the long and the short of it right there. (laughs) Not a complete overhaul, but I think it's time to dust them off and take a look at those copyright laws again.
0: And now they sell sell the Oswald hats and stuff at the Disney parks now. It's pretty cool.
2: That is pretty cool. I mean, I'm really, I mean, it's heartwarming almost that, you know, it was their creation. They created it, but somehow legal loopholes, the other guys get it. And they finally got their creation back. That is pretty cool.
1: Whether it was the first
2: cartoon or not. I mean, that's an iconic character and it belongs to me in the Disney family. Absolutely. It would be and like, like good uh, thing if NBC Bugs Universal Bunny was now. not in Warner Brothers. Uh, not, Bugs Bunny's isn't even a good example. It's more like if Bosko or Buddy were not allowed in Warner Brothers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a good thing that uh, during this time NBC was going into this. They got the Sunday Night Football package from the NFL, so when they were set to launch it, they needed like a an established you know sports commentator got to call the games, and they wanted Al Michaels from Monday Night Football on the SPN. So. Universal, NBC Universal said, you know what? We'll, we want Al Michaels. We'll give you back Oswald the Lucky Rabbit if you're willing to do that trade. And Normal Disney got Oswald back and NBC got Al Michaels for the Sunday Night Football. So it worked out for everybody in the end. Yeah, Disney definitely been out on that deal. But uh, back in uh, 1928, after this whole thing went down, after the loss of Oswald, you know, Disney kind of had to go back to the drawing board. And with that, we come to the birth of Mickey Mouse. Now, he works Originally named him Mortimer Mouse, which I don't know, but no, that that wouldn't have worked. But Walt <laughs> Disney character named Mortimer name mouse, mouse though.
0: Yeah, Mortimer I, was a heel. He was uh, he was like a lanky mouse. Yeah, he's he was, like
2: the taller. He's like the 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 Luigi of Mickey.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he had like a Brooklyn accent, and he always tried to steal Minnie Mouse.
2: That dick. He's even in,
0: <laughs> he, he's even in some of the the modern cartoons too.
2: Speaking yeah. of the modern cartoons, real super quick, have you seen, like, the, the new, new ones from, like, 2014 with the really slick animation style, but it looks like it's from the 30s? Uh,
0: I watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse with my son sometimes, but No, no, no,
2: know. no, no, not the Clubhouse one, not the ones for kids, the one that's, like, three minutes short. Um... No, there's I one don't where know. Mickey's trying to buy a hot dog. There's another one where Mickey and Donald are trying to like they're naked, so they get basically because one doesn't wear pants and the other one doesn't wear a shirt. They can't go into the restaurant to buy like a picnic lunch for them and Daisy and Minnie. So yeah, they yeah. Find yeah. Over it's who that, gets to wear the clothes? Of those, yeah. Yeah, I mean the animation style on that is like breathtaking. I I adore that style. I mean they hit a home run with this. They could make another hundred cartoons on they'd be happy, and I'd watch them all.
0: Yeah, I love the. Uh, my favorite era is like. Um, The ones where they go camping and the camp and Goofy like falls asleep at the wheel or something. And the camper comes detached. Like that, that era is like my favorite era of Mickey Mouse cartoons.
2: I mean, it's amazing when you look at, I mean, everybody knows the Looney Tunes and we'll, we'll jump right back to Mickey, but Mickey had a ton of cartoons back in the day. I mean, all throughout like the early times and colorization of it. He's had so many, I mean, you think about like the classic cartoons, like Looney Tunes and all that. But the Mickey series were pretty damn good back in the day.
0: Yeah, they had, they had a lot of good ones. Um, my favorite thing to do, which uh, my wife gets mad at me, but when we stay at the Disney hotels, they play the, um, they play like abridged versions of uh, those classic cartoons. I think they call it "Have a Laugh." And I just like to, I, I just like to leave it on when I fall asleep, just so like when I wake up in the middle of the night, I can look at the TV and it, it just makes me feel happy.
2: I mean. Uh, You'd, I don't know if I should be throwing this out there, but it's on YouTube, so who cares? I mean, you probably should buy the DVD sets. But on YouTube, there are collections of, like, Mickey cartoons and Disney cartoons that go on for, like, two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty
2: easy to find with just a simple YouTube search. Those are awesome if you just want to just put them on and just let them run. You ever need to be cheered up. There you go.
3: <laughs> Back in the day, when I was a kid, bro, I had this VHS tape. It was a compilation of, like, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy cartoons. I forgot the names of all of them, but I remember watching that VHS a lot back in the day. Because those three that I had on that tape are like classics. And it's, it's weird. I don't know. If maybe you guys own it yourselves. It's like a it's a green box, and it has Mickey, Donald, and Goofy on the box. And uh, I forgot what it's called. Like like it's a it's like a Disney collection or something. But there's three cartoons on there, and I love those three cartoons. I just forgot the name of them though. I, think I don't I one know one the one I you're talking like, about. Uh, like Mickey building a boat. And then, like, Goofy, like, destroying it or some shit. It, it's, it's wacky, but I remember watching that tape to death when I was a kid. See, we had a VHS. We had a couple of
2: VHSs. My grandmother used to get them for, like, a dollar at, like, flea markets. And they were, like, I don't think they were fully bootleg, but they were, like, really old cartoons. It was, like, these old Superman cartoons and really old Betty Boop cartoons. And one of them were, like, these old Mickeys where the Mad Scientist one was on there and little mini yoo which is a fantastic, wacky-ass song. And that was always you knew, the, you knew the tape was over because that was the last one on there, this last, like, three-minute song. You knew the tape was over. And, yeah, that, those got watched to death back in the day. And to think that, you know, a couple of clicks and you could watch it now, I mean, it's so easy to find. I, and I mean, what we I had to do to watch it back in the day.
3: <laughs> I, I, I just found it, guys. I'm going to send it to you right now. It's called Boat Builders from 1938. That's the one, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. That's the, that's the one. That's one of them that was on my tape. And bro, this cartoon is awesome, bro. It's really, it's. I can't wait to watch it again when we when we finish. But I have fond memories of that
2: tape, bro. I always thought Mickey, Donald, and Goofy got together. They were always they were always the best cartoons when you had those three together.
1: Yeah, the trio, I mean, dad, bro. Mickey
2: has the. I mean, it was almost like the Marx Brothers dynamic. You know, Goofy has this like goofy one, for lack of a better word, the stupid one, Donald was the angry one, and Mickey was the cool headed like almost cool one yeah the grouch show of the group yeah,
3: and it was and it, they had a
2: great dynamic,
3: and then with, with goofy, what I was going to do since we're not going to get you know the origin of goofy here, when we do a goofy movie, then I was going to get more into like you know the how goofy was created, and also when we get to that movie, definitely, I assume radiation was involved, I was <laughs> into that as well.
0: The Spirit of Mickey was another VHS that was a, that was actually a pretty wide release back in nineteen ninety eight. It had um, I'm looking at it right now. It had eleven different cartoons um, capped off with Steamboat Willie, which I'm sure we're about to talk about.
2: Well, we got to talk about one before Steamboat Willie.
0: Right, right, right. But <laughs> I, I was just saying the uh, Spirit of Mickey because um, you guys were talking about the the tapes that you used to now, watch. The last one on the
2: tape was it Suicide Mouse dot avi. Sorry. <laughs> Was the last one on the tape SuicideMouse.AVI? dot AVI? Oh man, I did not include that?
3: I, I I think when we when we finish Silly Symphonies, dude, then you can do your little <laughs> was just story time. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I mean like I mentioned before, it was originally named Mortimer Mouse by Eworks. Walt's wife Lillian decided, you know, it's kind of a wicked name and Mickey was more of a like a uh, basically a more babyface baby face name, you know, better than Roman Reigns. But <laughs>
2: Now you have Mickey, to keep
3: Mickey Strong. <laughs> <laughs> now Mickey Mouse himself now, was based on a mouse that Walt adopted as a pet while he worked at laugh gram So that's kind of what he based his drawing around. Now the first short to feature Mickey was called "Playing Crazy." What's weird about that though is that the first one that actually was released was Steamboat Willie. Even though "Playing Crazy" was made first, Steamboat Willie. Was actually the first one released. Well, we can do "Playing Crazy" first because that was. So how do
2: you set, kind of how do you rate that then? Like in the annals of history, which was the first one?
3: The one That's that was made first, or the one that the, the one was, that was first? released first? Everybody counts "Steamboat Willie" as the first because it was the first one released, even though "Playing Crazy" was made before "Steamboat Willie." It's like one of those like it's like Final Fantasy. The Final Fantasy six or three?
0: I thought "Steamboat Willie" was just the first one that had sound.
3: No, well. I read about that too. It it is the the first one with the synchronized sound, but it was also the first Mickey Mouse cartoon that was ever released. Gotcha. Yeah, um, Plane Crazy actually was made before Steamboat Willie, but they decided to release Steamboat Willie first because it was so revolutionary with the synchronized sound and all that stuff. I'll
2: throw this out. I think Plane Crazy is the funnier cartoon.
3: Yeah, (laughs) it has its own wackiness in itself. Basically, I think it's about just Mickey building a plane and he's taking mini aboard. I think that's Minnie, right? He takes the Ken board on Minnie, it. Yeah. And, uh, like, the plane, like, he's not building it right, and it fucks up. After a while, he, you know, finishes it up, and then it fucks up again. I think that's how it happened. I don't know if you guys can enlighten me on that. I can. Um, Mickey's a dick.
1: Yeah, I going <laughs> to go yeah, Mickey's yeah, a fucking, fucking dick.
3: <laughs> 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 Before you even go on this thread, the common thread here is that these cartoon characters are dicks early on. <laughs> I mean, you just, we're talking about the cow is a dick, the goat is a dick, Oswald is a dick, uh, Mickey Mouse is a dick.
2: Mickey is trying to force himself on Minnie, and when <laughs> she refuses, he tries to crash the plane. He's, like, doing flips and <laughs> shit to scare her until he gives her a kiss, and she jumps out of the plane.
0: Bro, he throws her out of the plane. He thinks oh, he so her,
2: And then she, like, no, she steps out, and then she puts, has, like, the, her underwear is, like, parachute.
0: And he laughs at her.
2: Yeah, he laughs at her, and then she slaps the crap out of him. But it's like, that's a, I mean, there's no other way to put it.
0: <laughs> he pretty much summed it up. He forces himself on her.
2: I mean, there's no other way. And then when she refuses, all right, fuck it, bitch. We're going to crash this thing.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> let, let's let just be uh, safe in the fact there was no pinball machine around. Yeah. And that one got ugly. <laughs>
1: This
0: is not the Mickey that we grew to, to love over time. I don't know.
3: I kind of like this Mickey, though. This dick Mickey.
2: <laughs> even in Steamboat Willie, he's kind of a dick. Like, look at all the animals he abuses in that one. Oh, they yes. Should, they
0: should have Mickey act like this at the parks.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he walks over and just
3: smacks the ice cream cone out of the kid's hand.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: so, Steamboat Willie, bro. Now, like we already lose. this was the first cartoon that had synchronized sound. Now, before that, it was basically like. Similar to the Alice comedies, you know um, the Oswald cartoons, where it was basically just silence with music playing in the background. Now this one actually had synchronized sounds go along with the with the animation and the music, which was so was revolutionary for its time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Basically, what happens here is that he works for Pete on this steamboat, and Pete's a, he, he's another dick. Yeah, he's bro. not
2: quite as big a dick as Mickey is, though. There's a theme here.
3: <laughs> like he just wants
2: Mickey to get back to work He might be surly But he's still not like the dick that Mickey is
3: So Mickey gets thrown out of the uh, You know the main part of the boat With the steering wheel um, He starts uh, chewing tobacco And he gets hit with it When he starts, tries to spit it out That's pretty wacky And then this guy Mickey bro The the parrot's laughing Or the bird or whatever is laughing at him And then he decides to just have fun I guess And he starts Oh before he, before that bro Mickey Mouse tries to chase the boat because, I guess, she, she missed him while he was there. So, he actually was able to get her onto the boat. And then what they do, I guess, to pass the timer to have fun because they're, they're assholes, they start playing turkey in the straw but using the animals on the boat as instruments. So, that's kind of that's kind of. Well, oh, you, you,
2: you forgot the goat eats her, like, instrument and, like, all the sheets. So, because it's a... This, actually, I really do like. So, she, like, turns his tail into a crank and she cranks his tail and it comes out like a phonograph. That's right. Then Mickey goes into this psychotic rampage where he's he goes. It starts out cute where he goes into like the one room and he's got like the wash bucket and he's playing the wash bucket to it and he's playing like this drum to it. Then he grabs this cat and steps on its neck and starts yanking its tail to this to the music. It's <laughs> like Mickey, what the fuck?
1: <laughs>
2: then he grabs a goose and starts strangling it to it, and this is what he does. I mean, he has both hands on his neck and he's stretching it out to like the music. It's <laughs> like. Are you
3: off your meds, Mick? What happened? Here's the thing with this. Now, now, the whole little backstory. Walt Disney was inspired after watching the Jazz Singer. Now, the Jazz Singer, we can talk about this, you know, on a regular force perspective, too. It's an, an iconic film because it was the first of the talkies. You know, before this, it was all silent films, but Jazz Singer kind of changed the business in that it was the first actually, you know, sound talkie film, you know, the films that we know of today, with talking, for lack of a better word. Um, so Walt's suggesting, and says, inspired, you know what? We should make a cartoon with actual sound, you know, uh, synchronized with it. Um, so after the whole thing with Oswald went down, and then Mickey came into the picture, they created, made, made playing crazy, but it, it didn't impress like the distributors. That's why it, it didn't come out first, because when it was screened for potential distributors, they didn't like it. So he felt that maybe adding sound to a cartoon would increase the appeal of it as well. So, I mean, that's kind of cool, like The Jazz Thing. I mean, The Jazz Thing was already a revolutionary film, just in film, period. But it inspired Walt Disney to make this to change animation, and there you go. You get this, and he changed
2: the business. I mean, I'd love to see what, like, the uh, the bigwigs said when they saw playing Crazy. Like, they didn't like it. Like, they stroked their chin and said, ah, it's good. I like how the he's forcing suits, stuff bro. on the woman. She should be back in the kitchen. <laughs> can he
3: abuse more animals? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, maybe they thought that the, these millennials here weren't grabbing the brass ring <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's these damn millennials. These 1900s? <laughs> <laughs> damn
1: it.
3: I didn't know what to call them. That's why I just said millennials. <laughs> what is it, like, 20th century years? <laughs>
2: You know, my I fought in the Civil War. What did you do? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, yeah, um, so Mickey basically commits all counts, all these kinds of animal abuse on this boat, right? And then uh, finally Pete catches him, making an ass of himself, and he sends him back into the boat to peel potatoes. So the bird goes like, you know what, let's laugh at this fucker one last time. So he comes out the window, laughs at Mickey. Mickey throws a potato at him and knocks him overboard. And then you then hear he the bird drowning. And, <laughs> and this has that a maniacal laugh, bro. This fucking <laughs> evil ass laugh that ends the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean seriously, this is where this shit's coming from. But also, uh, just as a cook, um Mickey Mouse sucks at cutting potatoes apparently. Because he has <laughs> these giant football shaped potatoes, like these football sized potatoes that he like whittles down into like piece shapes. <laughs> I guess I don't think he. I think the moral of the story is Mickey just doesn't want to fucking work, and when you make him work, he's just a surly bitch about it. Yeah, and he will hurt your. He will hurt your pets if you make him work.
3: <laughs> so that's that basically Steamboat Willie. Though I mean, you had Steamboat Itchy come out in 1936 or whatever it was that kind of upped the violence a little bit. But I mean, Steamboat Willie is where it started.
1: Oh me, oh my. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I believe <laughs> that was the same year with Al Capone dancing to Charles on Hunter's Flash.
1: I think that was.
2: You know, everybody loved Roger Myers Jr. and the
3: world,
2: the world loved Roger Myers Sr. and as such, he loved most of the people of the world.
3: Now, it's funny, uh, 1930, bro, that's around the time that, uh, like, e and Disney had his falling out. It's kind of kind of crazy because e at this time felt that, you know, he was doing all the work, making all these characters for, for Walt, and he wasn't getting enough for the credit. Kind of like how Chester J. Lampwick felt at Roger Myers Sr. And it's, it's, that's exactly where they took the story from, by the way. The whole thing with E-Works and Disney. And that's why he works had to do his own studio. But then, you know, he made up with Disney by, like, 10 years later, 1940. But I just wanted to bring that up because the Chester J. Lampwick thing, that's, that's where they took it from, the whole e Disney falling out, which is kind of funny. It really is like the wrestling business. It doesn't matter what the
2: hell happens. Eventually, everyone makes up just to make money. Never say never, bro. <laughs>
3: Um so, yeah, you Now, is it true any, uh...
2: that Walt Disney released the controversial the controversial cartoon Nazi Supermen Are our leaders? I was going to get to the whole Nazi thing actually <laughs> a little bit later. on. Oh, but...
0: Jesus. <laughs> was that the one where Donald Duck was a Nazi, or is that
2: a different one? Oh no, that was uh, that was a Simpsons joke that I threw out. But yeah, I have seen the cartoon where Nazi, yeah, where Donald is a Nazi, sort of. Yeah, that, that
3: I forgot what it's called, but I, I I've seen that one before. I forgot. Like exactly what happened in it,
0: though. When we oh. get to the World War II era, we should watch some of those, because uh, those yeah. are interesting, man. One of those... You know, a lot remember, are great. One of them is like an anti-Nazi propaganda cartoon, and it basically ends with, uh, if you join, then you're going to die. Like, the kid dies. That's the end of the cartoon.
2: There you go. There's the movie um, Can we I actually, get... even though it's not Disney, can we watch the Popeye one? Yeah, sure. Have you ever seen <laughs> the Popeye one? No, I, I can't wait till we get... Wait till we 70 get... 70 years later, it's
3: uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> bro, wait till we get to post-World War II, bro, 1946, and we do the story of menstruation. That'll be a two-part <laughs> episode. <laughs> you know what, the story of menstruation,
2: I don't think it's quite as awkward as watching the Popeye talking about uh, how you can slap the Japs, and what oh, their representation bro. of, oh, you have to see this cartoon, It was like, again, sign of the times, I understand, but you go back and watch it now, and it's like, wow, holy shit, dude. <laughs> Holy oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> there was cartoons for bad back in the day. Some of them you have to look, like just look up banned cartoons, and holy shit, there's a reason why some of them are left out of like the uh, the collections, <laughs> like the banned Mormon cartoon with the yeah, white seriously. delights. Some people, <laughs> but you know what? It did give us you can't touch Mormon Jesus. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> but do you guys have uh, any last words on a Steamboat Willie or like the early Mickey Mouse stuff? Yeah, I do. I mean, before when I said, you know, a lot
2: of those older cartoons, it really is very repetitive. And, you know, like we saw Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, the fucking train goes up and down the hill for like two minutes, it feels. And it was just, hey, look what we can make our train do. And it's like, isn't it awesome? Trains don't do that in the real world. Aren't you just mesmerized by this? And, you know, back then it probably was. But now it's like, all right, next, next scene. The Mickey Mouse cartoons don't feel that way to me. The Mickey Mouse cartoons have really good pacing. And actually, there are scenes in there that still make me laugh. I mean, when he makes his hair look like Lucky Lindy in Flame Crazy, and that smile he has on, I want to make this my freaking screensaver. That one still shot of him with this creepy-ass smile with his hair, like, brushed up is the funniest goddamn thing I've seen all day. I had to pause the video because I was laughing so hard at this shot. Does either of you, do either of you remember this one single frame? It goes on for a few seconds, but it's the funniest freaking image. Either of you? I (laughs) don't recall. (laughs) No.
3: No, not really.
2: Go back and watch this. It's like the beginning of the, the the plane gets put together, and he looks at the book, and there's a picture of uh, Charles Lyndon. I lost his name for a second. And he tries to make himself look like him, and he's a fucking cartoon mouse, so he can't. (laughs) <laughs> but he has like his hair like brushed over, and he just puts on this smile where you actually see all his teeth. <laughs> it's fucking hysterical. I just want to say,
0: um, my favorite show at any of the Disney parks is uh, Fantasmic. Ha- have you guys ever seen this?
2: You know what? Um, to be honest, as much as it pains me to say, I have never been to Disney World.
3: Oh man, well, well, no, no, got I, to I, I got with, one. But... Well, I was gonna say I got one worse, but not going, not going to Disney World ever is. Pretty much the worst thing, but I've been to Disney World once now it's back in nineteen ninety four so that was like twenty years ago <laughs> I haven't been back since uh, well
0: phantasmic is um basically the show's um it's about Mickey's dreams and uh his dreams get invaded by all the villains and I'm a big mark for all the Disney villains, so that's one of the reasons why I love it but the reason I mention it is at the end of it um Mickey does all these like magic tricks and he teleports and stuff. And at the end, he comes out on the, on the boat at Steamboat Willie. And, uh, that's just a really cool, um, nice, cool, like finish, I guess, to the, to the show. And, um, I just want to say that cause we were talking about Steamboat Willie and then also, um, Kingdom Hearts too. I really like the, uh, that they dedicated a whole level to Steamboat Willie on that.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, right right now, actually, I, I am planning on taking a trip down to Florida in October for uh, the Emperor's Wedding. I don't know how else to phrase it, but, I mean, <laughs> while I'm there, I might as well take a trip down to Disney World. I haven't been there in 20 years. That should be
0: fun. You know what? My wife and I are, are going to that as well, so um, maybe maybe we'll all hang out at Disney together because we have annual passes.
3: Absolutely. That, that, that sounds like fun, bro. That sounds and,
0: like um, absolute fun. And also... While we're talking about it, um, because this goes with the theme of this show, at the same park, uh, Disney Hollywood Studios, that's where the Fantasmic show is, they have this really cool, kind of like a mini museum on Walt Disney called One Man's Dream, and it kind of gives you a little, it's really awesome, man. It's like a walkthrough where it just goes through um, Disney's life, kind of like we're doing, but it's obviously more in-depth, and uh, it goes further beyond um, you know, goes through his entire life. And then at wow. the end, you, you watch like a 15-minute uh, kind of documentary
3: on you Walt know Disney. That remi- not to cut you off, J.D., but you know what that reminds me of? It's uh, the story of Roger Meyer Sr. in scratchy land that they're watching. At the, <laughs> and they show Pinocchio and uh, Fantasia. What, what, I forgot what they call it, like like Scratchy. Scratchtasia, that's what they called it. But it's something like that when they start, like the story of like you know Disney, I guess, and then you see some of the early work, and you see it's like a, yeah, I think that's what you're describing.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. They have and they have like models of um of like some of the attractions and uh, and um sorry the, the castles and they even have like um Walt Disney's office, like what his office looked like. It's really cool.
3: There's this one ride that when I go to Disney, I do want to go on. It's the movie ride. I forgot what it is.
0: The great movie ride. Yeah, I was talking about it earlier. That's at the same park, yeah.
3: The great movie ride is the one that I really want to go on because as a movie mark myself, that's something that I know I'm going to like freaking gush over. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's a really good ride too. Um, like I said, it's kind of like Jungle Cruise and the fact that, um, that they have a script. And I actually saw one of my friends posted that he would probably like that attraction more if there wasn't the whole spiel. But um, he's just like a hardcore Disney Mark, like I am. But uh, yeah, as a as a movie fan in general, you you would definitely appreciate it.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. They're, they have the Alien from um, Ridley Scott's Alien. That that part's freaking scary, man, for little kids.
3: Oh man, I my sister went down to Disney. I think. A couple of years ago, and she went on the Jurassic. I think no, no, that's at Universal. I think the Jurassic Park ride. Yeah,
1: that was is freaking it.
3: scary. Yeah, because she actually she recorded some of it, and uh, um, that was freaking scary, bro. Because you know, once you get to like the far where like the like the dinosaurs break loose and all that, it, it's it's pretty wacky, but it, it's fun from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, I remember being uh, kind of afraid when I went on that when I was a kid too.
3: Cause like you're afraid they're gonna pop out of nowhere, which I think one of them did from what I from what I saw. Um, but yeah, uh, well I guess before we wrap up the show, cause we already did Mickey Mouse and you know, Steamboat Willie, which was the main thing here. Oh, do that? We could talk a little about the Silly Symphonies. Um, there's really not much to say about those. I mean, basically, you know, Walt had this idea of like basically doing an animated symphony, and that's where they—that's the whole idea came from. You know, setting animation to music kind of like what the whole business was before Steamboat really changed that. And now, that would you be one
1: able to, think,
2: without looking it up, which came first? Because they, they sound awfully alike. Which one was first, Silly Symphonies or Merry Melodies?
1: Because uh, one sounds
2: like a complete rip-off of the other.
3: Um, to be honest, I think Mary Melodies was first, but I have to look it up because I would have to look it first, up. I'm
2: not sure. I feel like Mary the, Melodies came first because wasn't that
3: Bosco back in the day, or at least Buddy? Yeah, because Bosco was like 1927, and the first Silly Symphony was like 1929.
2: So I would have to look it up. But doesn't it? Now again, they, it could be just a coincidence. But doesn't it kind of sound like a ripoff? Pretty much. Yeah. Silly it, symphony, it, 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 Mary it, 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 Melodies. It's like the uh, like the doppelganger. No, no, no. Ours is completely different.
3: I I use a ukulele.
0: That's like when Vanilla Ice ripped off under pressure, but he said it was different because he had, like, a... T's in it?
3: Oh, that that was so stupid, bro. I love that interview because he comes up like a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 they actually, It says Mary Melody's was 1931, so they came second, actually. Look at that. See,
2: Mary Melody, those assholes ripped them off. <laughs> those
3: assholes ripped them off, bro.
2: I mean, there's no other way. I mean, I cannot believe that. Well, you know, that's popular, so... Uh... No, we have something completely different. Ours is not a happy meal; it's the fun time meal. It's completely different.
0: Merry Melodies is more well known than Silly sym- Symphonies, though, right?
3: Hey, you know what? Which one came first, Hydrox or Oreos? Well, apparently, according to this, the idea between behind Merry Melodies was that they wanted, like, the selling point was that the new cartoons would have music from the soundtracks of the Warner Brothers films. And would technically serve as, like, advertisements for the, those films and that kind of music. That's actually so, kind of I, a clever idea. It's actually like, this, kind of the same thing as Silly Symphonies, but they had, like, you know, they were advertising, like, the Warner Brothers brand with those. So I guess that was what they tried to make it different, I'm trying to make it unique, I guess. Oh, in case any listeners actually give a
2: shit, everybody knows, like, Oreo's the famous one, but Hydrox actually was first. Oreo's ripped them off, but which one's still alive today? That's kind of what I meant with Silly Symphonies and Merry Melodies. It doesn't matter which one came first.
3: It's which one's won. <laughs> now, the one I sent you that was the first ever Silly Symphony, which is the skeleton dance. And Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying again, though? Yeah.
2: Like, there was nothing to... I mean, I know. You have to love really, it. Really, nothing
3: happens. Nothing like, happens.
2: Nothing fucking happens. <laughs> <laughs> at all. And except for the a graveyard horrifying night, nightmare fuel at, at the really, end where all the skeletons there, like, can join.
3: There's birds, you know, calling, you know... in sing the songs and then all of a sudden the skeletons show up and they start dancing and sing with the music. So I mean that's pretty much it. and then once daylight hits they all run back to the tune. No no there no you go. No 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 no. What happens is they all
2: crash into each other and form some horrible hybrid skeleton <laughs> with four heads and the body of a horse.
1: What and the fuck with is? two
2: pairs of feet chasing after them. So all the like, shows they were like it's good but the children aren't going to be crying leaving the theater. What can we do about what hybrid, this?
3: Bro, bro, what hybrid was worse, that one or the fucking The Rock in The Mummy Returns when he became like the, the skeleton Mantar guy?
0: Oh, that was terrible.
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm going to still say this old-fashioned one because there's something creepy about like these old grainy with the static in the background. There's something yeah, inherently like horror movie-esque to them.
0: <laughs> yeah, this looks more real than, than The Rock in the screen. Yeah, it's
2: true. This had better quality. I mean, for what they are, I mean, they're basically music videos, and that's cool, and, you know, it's just to show off the animation style. But, you go, again, you go back and watch them, and it's like, they're, they're, I mean, the other one sort of had a story. Like, Oswald sort of had a story. He was trying to make the trolley go. This one, there was nothing. There was just skeletons showed up and started to dance.
3: Yeah, and then Merry Melodies, too, actually tried to differentiate itself with the fact that they did actually tried to incorporate some sort of plot to it. But, again, Silly Symphonies is just, you know, it's, it's a symphony. It's, you know, it's just a performance. There's really no plot. to There's no performance. You're just watching, you know, a musical performance, I guess. And you like know there's so some person at home listening to this that's pissed off at me. It's
2: like, you don't appreciate this. <laughs> send your hate mail to superfriended at gmail.com.
3: Uh, <laughs> Superfriend's mailbox at com or <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com.
2: Well, you can send the hate mail
3: my way, though. He shouldn't have to read that.
2: <laughs>
3: but, uh, I mean, that's early Disney. And then, like, right you know, they continue with the Silly Symphonies. They uh, produce more Mickey cartoons. The Goofy and Pluto came out during this time. I think Donald Duck, too. I don't remember if he was around this time also. But um, Disney had the idea, of, you know, he's having so much success with these shorts. Let's finally make a feature-length animated film. Again, something that changed the business. And then you have Snow White and the Seven Doors, which we'll get into on the next episode, our, our formal first episode. So, uh, with that, do you have any last words on anything today, early Disney, Mickey, anything like that?
0: Uh, Three Little Pigs was 1933. That was a pretty big one, too. That one, uh, I
2: mean, that's, that's right. that makes the soundtracks. That makes, like, the collection soundtracks today. That's right.
3: The Tortoise and the Hare was another good one from around this time as well. Yeah, Bugs Bunny was those, funnier, though. The, those are the two I remember, though. And I think Ugly Duckling was another one that I, I remember seeing it as a kid, too. But the ones that stick in my head are... Tor- uh, or, Tortoise in the Hair and uh, Three Little Pigs. Even Three Little Pigs, bro. They actually made a. They Disney marketed the hell out of that. That was one of the most successful silly symphonies. They had like their own book. They had merch. You know, they 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 sold more merch than Roman Reigns. It's like it's, it's weird. It, it like sold so they three. Yeah. It's, it seems like a throwaway silly symphony, but it actually had quite a following. I guess because the 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 story of Three Little Pigs is iconic in and it, itself. But.
2: Also, told a story, though. I mean, like you said, a lot of them were just, you know, a symphony and um, the video to follow. There was a definitive, you know, like a three-act structure almost to it, as short as it was.
3: That's right. Yeah, you got a point. Um, but, yeah, it, it, any last words on it or anything that I might have missed, you know, talking about silly symphonies or anything like that?
2: Um, just roll back real quick, right back to the Mickey Mania game I was talking about. My favorite level is the Steamboat Willie level. I mean, I love, I mean, watching the cartoon again today, it reminded me just how much from the cartoon it took. I mean, you even get to jump on the goat that shoots out musical notes. <laughs> <laughs> Pete is to... walking back and forth, chewing on tobacco, and one of his attacks is that he spits it at you.
0: Do you get to abuse him as well?
2: You do, you jump on him.
0: Kind of like how Mario punched Yoshi in the head, is it kind of like that?
2: Yeah, you punch that son of a bitch right No, yeah, seriously. In fact, in order to go past the level, you have to kind of use him as a springboard. In fact, first you have to shoot a cork in his mouth so he doesn't hurt you with the musical notes that come out. Then you jump on him to shoot the cork out, which actually is less of a dick because Mickey would have let the goat choke to death in the old cartoons because that's how the world worked back then. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs)
3: And uh, if anybody is playing Kingdom Hearts 2, River is the uh, world in the game that's based off of Steamboat Willie. That is a
2: fun level. It is better than the uh, Little Mermaid levels in that one. Hmm. Those are annoying
3: as fuck, bro. I hate (laughs) those levels. (laughs) You know what? Here's the problem. I mean, the first Atlantis was really cool. Real quick, Mr. Eddie. Eddie. As much as I love the Lion King, that level in Kingdom Hearts 2 is probably one of the worst ones I've ever played, because that shit got annoying real quick. But, you know, whatever... uh, it Dude, is which the one? The level. Little
0: Mermaid? The Little Mermaid level?
2: No, Lion King. Yeah, don't, don't. I hated those levels, bro. See, I didn't mind the Little Mermaid level. The first one. The second one with the music is just filler.
0: Yeah.
2: Actually, one of my favorite levels in the uh, earlier games in the first one was, I love the Winnie the Pooh level, where you actually collect storybook pages and it just expands yeah, that one, the world. Yeah,
3: that was, was neat. That was a nice little thing they did. And there. since I
2: loved Winnie the Pooh as a kid, it was like, Winnie the Pooh all alone sitting there. He's like, all oh, my friends are gone, and maybe I'll be next. Have you come to say goodbye to me? And it's like, oh, fuck the rest of the mission. We have to help Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> do
0: you play all the pages at once, or did you come back uh, after you collected each page?
2: I would come back. I would. Uh, I didn't do it all I would I so but I wouldn't do it like immediately. I would collect a few and then go back. Because the bro, storyline fuck, actually yeah, is really Al- good. Fuck
3: Aladdin. Fuck Hercules. Bro, I got to save Winnie the Pooh.
2: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, the world's coming to an end. It doesn't matter. Winnie the Pooh is more important. We have to help that silly old bear. Yeah, well, it's but, the, but, probably the most heartwarming uh, level of the whole game. Oh, easily. I mean, it definitely tugs the heartstrings on that one. Um, and you know, we here's the all, problem, though. I
3: can't wait to do also, when we get we get to Many Adventures of Winning the Pool, that'll be a great episode, too. Cause I love that
2: movie. That's a great movie. Look, Kingdom Hearts is a great game, but let's none of us fool ourselves that the story's any good. I mean, the story is a convoluted mess. It, it's I a mean, mess. I I just had, somebody sorted a whole lot of cocaine before, the, especially the second part. Like the second one, somebody did a whole lot of coke and then said, "All right, let's write this." <laughs>
0: especially <laughs> after the first, especially after the first one, it really got like I just have no idea. What yeah, the first
2: one were. seemed almost kind of contained. I mean, there was a cre- there was a, these creatures called the Heartless. The Disney villains teamed up with them. The final boss—you give them spoilers, but who gives a shit? You fight Maleficent, and you fight Maleficent as a dragon, and that's kind of the end. And then the
3: second one,
2: I I still couldn't fucking explain it to you,
3: bro. That bro, that that second game had more false finishes than the fucking Vince Russo book, Monday Night Raw, bro. It's like, what the hell?
2: It's like the Council of the Hooded Ones, like the Soulless or the Heartless or whatever the fuck they're called. And it's like, I just want to play the Disney levels. What? What the fuck are you doing with this story? This is not a hard story to tell.
0: And let's let's be honest. That's the reason why we love that those games is is to. Play the Disney stuff.
2: Well, that's what it is. It's God of War with Disney, basically. I mean, you sm- you do com- simple combos with the attack button, and the other one does magic. I mean, it's pretty much that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's just now even the 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 canon of the whole series is just it's such a mess. Like, Birth, well, I've, I've never been to Disney.
2: Can you buy a Keyblade there? Set. I've never been to Disney. Can you buy a Keyblade there? Like, you uh, know, what a, a I think one, of course.
0: I don't know, but I know there was. Um there was a video game store that sold like these games and stuff and they had um, they had a keyblade and they also had um, Link's sword that you I mean, buy. it's the
2: stupidest weapon ever because it's a fucking key but I
3: still wouldn't <laughs> mind having one on my wall
0: <laughs> Yeah, that'd be badass to have mounted on your wall.
3: Well, it's not just a regular key it has like a charm on it that changes its power
2: to wind, cool.
3: to fire, whatever the hell it was You know what the problem with that though is?
2: that every level your your Keyblade got stronger, yes. and it would change the look of it. But I think they could have done it where you could have kept the old look while upgrading the power. Because, I mean, I really liked the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas Keyblade. That
3: was nice, bro. That but you couldn't keep it, it if you wanted pretty,
2: to beat the game.
3: Pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, but you had to
2: upgrade it, and it would lose that look.
0: Yeah. So Did you like, get the ultimate
2: weapon? I don't even remember. I played it so long. Oh, I Ultima, never beat yeah. off.
3: Well, I eventually when I I played up to level hundred on both games, oh, and geez. I got the ultra left. <laughs> That's how I beat Sephiroth when I got that one.
2: Yeah, I mean I couldn't beat Sephiroth. I mean, you you either have to exploit Sephiroth and really like figure out like every single like you know back in the old Nintendo days like yeah jump rush forward hit, hit 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 back up back up back up jump <laughs> yeah up. you basically
3: have to be a little <laughs> you know kind of like I don't I don't want to say a bitch but you have to be a little bitch about it like you know tap tap then hide tap tap then hide. Yeah, you you really did. I mean, you had had to build a pattern. Like, I had the ultimate weapon. I think I was, like, level 85 when I did it in the first game. And I had uh, the windshield, like, activated, like – I had it upgraded to the max, so I had it, like, going the whole time. I mean, let's be honest. He was, like, trying to beat
2: Mike Tyson. (laughs) And punch out, right? Yeah, seriously. He was, like, Mike Tyson's punch (laughs) out. I mean, because he would, like, one hit you, and then, oh, there he goes, half your energy.
0: Undertaker in uh, in WWE 2K – Fourteen?
3: Oh, on, on, all on the, the, uh, what?
0: the WrestleMania mode, where yeah, like,
3: yeah. he's
2: able to beat?
3: Yeah, you, on, you like, could glitch him easy, though. Yeah, you... WrestleMania, bro, fuck that shit.
2: You could glitch him, though. I mean, basically, you had to do exactly what we said before. You had to be like the pussy that kept running out of the ring. Get a couple of shots, and up, oh, he's starting to Hulk up. Slide out of the ring. Get away for a little bit, then like, pick and choose your spots here and there. Yeah,
3: he, like, it didn't he feel satisfying
2: doing it that way, though.
3: Like, I gonna, like, oh, yeah. he
2: counter
0: the counter like a punch into the Hell's Gate in, just out of nowhere.
2: <laughs> oh, he does that kind of I mean. <laughs> you know, we could, I mean, it's a whole separate discussion. That sounds but, about right, bro. <laughs> that's basically what he did. But there's a whole separate discussion about what's wrong with the modern wrestling games. That they think that increased difficulty just means the computer counters everything. And I feel my argument would be it actually does not help the game at all. It just really breaks the flow of the game. And, yes, you can – they say, well, you can slide the countermeter down. Yeah, but that's like – that shouldn't be an option. That's like, well, all right, so I'm going to handicap the computer because you didn't do it yourself. That's like playing <laughs> the easy mode in Mega Man. It's just why fucking play the game then? If your game needs that slider because something's fucked up, then there's something fucked up with the game. That being said, it's a great multiplayer
3: game. Yeah, but I don't have 2K15 because I don't have an Xbox One. I don't intend on getting one for a while or PS4. And I heard that uh, the Xbox 360 version is not worth getting anyway. So, and plus after this, they're just going to be exclusive to the new consoles. So I guess I'm double wrestling games for a while. <laughs> You know what? I, would, I, didn't get, I, I
2: rented 2K14 and beat it, and I have not even touched 2K15, because quite frankly, fuck the practice of the players in the game, but unless you pre-ordered, you don't get it. Ultimate Warrior in the second one, 14, is on the fucking disc. You play as the motherfucker through the story mode, but if you didn't pre-order, well, fuck you. You better pony up some money. I yeah. have and a this one here.
1: Yeah.
2: And you know and what? You- quite frankly, we've said it on Pixels and Bits, fuck that practice. I will not support that practice.
0: I have it on Xbox One, and you guys aren't missing much, so don't feel bad that you don't have it.
2: That's exactly. If I ever get one of the newer systems, I'll rent it. I'll beat the story mode, because that's all that's worth playing on those games anymore, and then move on. Because that is something, I, I, Capcom's guilty of it too, where they had characters on a disc, but you better pony up if you want to do it. But what made this, what's even more of a slight on this one is that you better have bought this game Sight Unseen because with the fucking track record, you know, it's kind of hit or miss with these wrestling games a lot of the times. So give us the money now because if the reviews suck, we want to get what we can get now. And he's a playable character through the story mode. So they tease you with it too, that it's right there. I mean, there's nothing more than a cash grab, trying to get all yeah. the money they can before you hear anything about the
3: game. See, what depresses me the most is that a lot of those early wrestling games. I mean, I don't have like early, early, but I mean like from the PS2 era, like SmackDown, Shut Your Mouth, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, even the the first couple Raw versus SmackDown games. Those had awesome story modes, bro. Like the storylines were better than the actual product on TV.
2: Here comes so the one where where. Uh, they turn Kurt Angle into a female wrestler with a magic wand that Kansas Michelle had? Or how about the one where you get to kill Eddie Guerrero in the first game after he died?
3: After he died, right? Yes. Yeah. Boy, nobody thought about bro editing done, that,
2: huh? <laughs> and there he is in the coffin,
3: huh? <laughs> that was a fucking wacky one, bro. That was a great storyline, bro. What about the one, I think, from one of the newer ones where, like, Sheamus and all, like, the – uh. uh like the British guys formed the stable that was freaking awesome the United Kingdom that was great that was a great little story they had there and what about the one where they unified the uh, the, the world title I think it was from the first SmackDown versus Raw that was a great one too
0: what about Better Than Utopia
3: yes that's MVP right MVP and <laughs> Cena yep. yeah that was a great little angle too that they had in the game bro a lot of these angle uh, game angles are great
0: what about when Undertaker would do magic do you remember that one
3: that was 06, um, SmackDown was 06, I think. That was Wasn't big.
2: that the same one? Where, what, am I thinking, isn't that the same one with Eddie Guerrero, that you're
3: stealing the urn? Or is that a different one? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure now either. It might be the same one.
0: I do like that this Disney podcast turned into a conversation about wrestling video games, though.
2: <laughs> it flowed so, naturally. We went from video game. We went from Kingdom Hearts <laughs> to wrestling game, so it was okay. Because, to be fair, Kingdom Hearts storylines are as coherent as like, a Vince
3: Russo storyline, so it fits perfectly. <laughs>
0: That's true. Yeah, I
3: mean, I mean, think about it. You have all these games now that are part canon, but they're all out of order. You have Birth by Sleep, which is technically the first one, but you know, then you have I forgot which, what it's called. Then you have Kingdom Hearts one. Then you have Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, which is the uh, the Game Boy Advance one. Then you have Part two. Then you have 365 over two days. And then hopefully you have Part three, which at this point they that they, they've been teasing that release for like ten years now it seems, but.
2: Honestly, I don't know, I, I've i kind of gotten out of it. I played 1 and 2, and I didn't even try any of the handhelds, because they were all over the place. This one's before, this one's after, and it's like, no, nah, I'm good. I got 1 and 2. I've beaten 1 and 2. Yeah, the I don't want to 1 and 2, so I don't need to know prequels, yeah. because I'm still trying to figure out 2.
3: The only handheld I played <laughs> was Chain of Memories, which was good, actually, because it actually did help bridge the gap a little bit between 1 and 2. But then I tried to play 365 over 2, and I just – I couldn't finish it, and then I was just done at that point. So, you know, I already upgraded everybody in both games to level – all both my Soras to level 100 in both games with the ultimate weapon. So I was done at that point. You know what the
2: sad thing is to, to like, bookend this whole conversation and this whole podcast where we started talking about Disney Infinity? Imagine if they put – I hate to use the word effort when it comes to Kingdom Hearts storyline, but imagine if they put that kind of effort into Infinity, and they had this giant storyline – Going on there instead of just sandbox mode. Imagine how epic they crazy. could have done it with all these iconic Disney characters. There is a story that you could, that talented writers could tell that would make this a must-buy because you'd have to play just to see this story. And instead, yeah, it was just like, eh, kids will
3: buy it. Kids will buy it anyway. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. And collect them all, format. So that's like, like you mentioned before. That's a brilliant cash grab.
2: And it's kind of sad when it comes to that because, like I said, there there is. Uh, there's not money left on the table because that's the sad thing—you wouldn't get another dime out of it. But there's creativity left on the table there, and we know how creative Disney can be. So it's kind of sad that they didn't
3: take that opportunity. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I guess with that, unless anybody has anything else to say, I think we're going to wrap up for Perspective episode fifty-eight, which is our introductory episode to our history of Disney series. We have um, a title have any- for the history of
2: Disney series, like Disney Palooza or Disney Apocalypse. I went
3: with the very simple, the history of Disney. <laughs> I say. Very good. <laughs> now, if you have a suggestion as to what we can name it, I'm all ears. Disney all up in your grill. I don't know. Disney apocalypse.
2: Nazi Disney men are our leaders. <laughs> no,
3: I like the history of Disney. Keep it simple. Yeah, let's keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. <laughs> but... uh for the listeners out there, any questions, comments, feedback, just send an email to fpmpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to put in the subject line, Force Respective or FT." Now, I'll throw it to you guys if you guys have any plugs. Mr. Reddy, you can go first? Yeah, just keep an eye on the site.
2: As I said on the other podcast, you know things were getting better health-wise for family members, and then they took a turn, and now they're better again. So hopefully I'll be able to get back on the site. Just as I started putting some stuff out, I, um, you can check out my uh, video review of Breakout that went up a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't seen it. I know how many people have clicked the YouTube link, so not all of you have seen it. Get to it. It's pretty funny, if I do say so myself, and Breakout. a uh, no, I said Breakout. Kaboom. Kaboom is actually one of my all-time favorite games, so check that one out. And hopefully I'll be able to get a couple of uh, laid-back gourmets, since I have them all set up on my computer with the pictures and all set and ready to go. If people would just stop getting sick on me, that would be nice.
3: Speaking of the laid-back gourmet thing, I saw a picture. I think on Twitter, I forgot who posted it, but I guess it was this. Uh, it was a bag of Doritos, right? But it was exclusive to Canada. I think it was ketchup flavored or some shit. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. That sounds horrifying. I almost that got does, Doritos it, it, at it, it Costco the other day.
2: Since they, it's a, Doritos has a uh, Costco exclusive flavor, white nacho, which there was. I, I tried it. They had like a sample out. I was like, oh, I could review this. Oh, I could literally say nothing about these because they just kind of taste like nachos. Maybe not quite as strong. Well, moving on. I think one of the biggest disappointments, I actually had a funny review in my head. In fact, I even bought these from the internet. I got a bag of Lucky Charm marshmallows. Just the marshmallows. And I thought, Mm -hmm. this is going to be wacky. This is going to be funny. And after, they taste just like Lucky Charm marshmallows. And then I realized, what the fuck could I possibly write about these? It's a bag of fucking marshmallows.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just put the, uh, cop, the picture up on Facebook. I just said it to you guys. So That's the Doritos ketchup flavored chips, bro. I will have to look
2: for that. Now, scroll <laughs> up a little bit on your thing. Did you see the, uh, the Lucky Lindy picture of Mickey there? Yes,
3: I did. That's now, a, you see that's why cool. I laughed so hard at that? That's, that's a, a funny freaking picture right there.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, that is like JD, epic levels of wacky right there. <laughs> uh, JD, do you have any plugs? Um, I guess I do the podcast
0: with my buddy, Craig, uh, it's called the Oz-, Oz, effect. Um, just once a month or so we, we kind of preview the WWE pay-per-views. It's not really as, um, in depth as the stuff that, uh, K-Fabulous Lucha Bros do, but, uh, it's fun if you want to check it out. Um, nice. other than that, not really, man. I got a baby on the way. Oh,
3: that's pretty congratulations. Awesome. That's great. So
2: you finally collected all the Dragon Balls and made that wish, huh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, now now another, another co-host of mine is having a baby. I think what's going on here.
2: You know, it's just going to be us two doing it then. Because <laughs> I don't think there's any babies in the future yet, since I'm still single, so we'll see.
3: <laughs> now, uh, now, this will probably be the only, well, not the only, but probably the, it will be actually. The only show we do before WrestleMania. So, uh, since you have a podcast, J D, what do you think about WrestleMania this year?
0: Man, the build has been terrible. That's what I think.
3: Yeah, man. I mean I'm I'm anxious to see it only because I like I want to see a train wreck for that main event, you know, I'm I'm anxious to see that. So that's pretty much what's getting my excitement up because I want everybody to boo that motherfucker out of the building. I don't think you're going to get that. I think you're
2: just going to get a mediocre – I mean, Brock is not going to let that. Brock is going to push it. Romans is going to do, uh, do what he's got to do, and it's going to be underwhelming, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be serviceable. I don't even think we're going to be entertained with the train wreck.
3: Oh, man. that's what I hate I'm to say it. For, too. You
2: know what? I hate to be like, like the negative wrestling fan, but I'll be honest. I haven't watched in weeks, maybe a couple of months now. I've, I can't even remember. It was around the Rumble, so yes, I guess that was it. Cause it was just got to the point where three hours on, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of time and three hours on Monday night of something. I'm not really enjoying. And what really clicked is Mike Johnson was talking on the one, he's like, and then there was this big finish and right there, that's why we watch wrestling. And it's like, but that was five hours. That was like five minutes out of 12 hours of programming. That was good. That was holy Mm -hmm. crap. That is like literally watching one of those animes. Where people say, no, no, it doesn't, it's not good now. But when you get to episode 57, it really kicks off. And it's like, <laughs>
3: what the fuck am I doing with no, my, my ad, life? By that time, people are gone. You know?
2: And that's what it felt like. It's like, so you have to sit through 12 hours or something. You're not enjoying like I could be playing video games. I could be writing articles and shit. And so basically, I'm just keeping up with it between our website and PW Insider yeah, and WrestleCrap.com. Between those three sites, I've been keeping up with the wrestling business and finding out what's going on. And basically, everyone's got their own different opinions, so I kind of got, like, a pretty, like, fair view of what's going on. Instead of one group just says it sucks and another one says it's great. You kind of got, like, it's like watching Fox News and watching, like, MSNBC. You kind of, between the two, you can kind of figure out, like, the actual story is.
3: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's like, well,
2: after
0: after getting into New Japan over the past few months, uh, it's kind of hard to watch WWE.
3: Yeah, I've been trying to get my hands on Lucha Underground, too, because I hear that's pretty good as well it's pretty wacky i've seen a couple episodes of
2: that that's actually pretty good i mean you know what's nice it's actually different it really like that telenovela style is actually kind of i didn't know if i would like it and i'm used to that too because
3: i grew up you know with this static. because i have this so that you know that so it, it's it's a nice it's a refresher for me because i'm used to watching stuff like that you know as a kid watching my I, my grandmother watch. Uh, novelas. My mother watched novelas back in the day too, so I'm used to that style of storytelling already.
0: Yeah, which Underground's fun.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best thing you can say. It's actually fun. And
2: I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not even saying like, oh, WWE sucks, 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 and everything sucks. It's just it lost my attention for a little bit. I'll go. I mean, it's not going to be one of those fans that say I'm never going back ever. Yeah. In A couple of months, I'll probably go back again. And I'll turn it on and start watching again. But it was like, eh, I need a little time off. <laughs>
0: Well, it's just raw. Raw is such a chore to watch. That's the thing.
2: And SmackDown doesn't matter. SmackDown doesn't yeah. matter, and that's, that's what it sad, is. SmackDown bro. doesn't matter. NXT, I hear, is really good, but honestly, I dropped the network for a little bit too. Ten bucks a month. It's not a lot of money, but when I, you know what, ten bucks gets me. Uh, ten bucks and a couple of bucks added to that gets me a loot crate. <laughs>
3: yeah, ten bucks. You know, can
2: get me a lunch for you know, a couple of days. Yeah, week, I, mean, you know, but... I mean, I don't know if D, like, showed you the thing I got him for Christmas. I got D and Rob, uh, this loot crate. You, it's, like, a box of geeky shit that just comes in the mail once a month. And it's, like, themed. And, like, the one, it was, like, video games. And I got, like, a little Mega Man helmet that's on my desk right now. And a nice. Street Fighter headband. And there was a T-shirt in there. And it was all this cool stuff. And, like, last month was, like, retro, uh, was gaming. So I got, like, a, a limited edition pack of playing cards. It was, like. Heroes versus villains, playing cards. I haven't played it yet. Uh, rock, paper, scissors, dice. I got a uh, space invaders tie, like a black tie that has like the space invaders on it. It actually looks really nice. It's like I could do that, or I could have the WWE network that I haven't watched
3: yet. Really, <laughs> I mean, it's for me. It's only getting any use right now because of NXT. I'm actually trying to keep up with the weekly shows, and I, I'm liking it actually. Oh, are it's you're excellent NXT. NXT. That's not a knock yeah. against NXT. It's just not. Not
2: worth ten dollars for me yet. Especially when I'm not feeling wrestling at the moment. Like if I I mean I can always go back and watch like the old episodes like and catch up. But I mean and I was so man. excited when it first came out because I missed a lot of the old ECW stuff. I caught some of the older stuff, but the newer stuff, like I don't know how to phrase it, like the later years. So I'm like, I can go back and watch, oh, it started with episode forty seven, and then it went to 40, 59, 62, <laughs> 66. What the hell? And then Raws, they weren't up there. Now I know like Nitros are up there, but after a while, it was like, I'm
3: not yeah, watching they're, they're any of this. Yeah, they're pretty slow in putting all those up, I've noticed.
2: I mean, I'm, I, I turn on the TV, and it's like, well, I could watch that, or I could catch up on a different show on Netflix, or I could watch this on Netflix, or Hulu, and it's like, I kind of want to watch this on Netflix. I kind of want to catch up on this series. Well, I haven't seen all of Adventure Time yet, and I hear that's getting really good. I should watch that. Well, let me check out Gotham. Everybody keeps saying that's good. It's not, but everybody said it. <laughs>
1: Which by I Gotham
3: after like episode five, bro. I just I have time to watch it, so I'm just gonna wait till the season ends. I'm just gonna binge watch.
2: You know what it was? I can tell the sh- I can tell
3: like Gotham was
2: underwhelming to me because I was kind of like recording it every week and watching it until it hit that mid season point where it was like, wow, now we're going now you have to wait a week like six weeks before we come back. But to me, after the six weeks, I just didn't give a shit enough to start recording. Yeah, games. I agree. It was, like, it was almost so. like one of those games you play out of habit that you have to log on every day out of habit. It and was, then you wait really, a little oh, while, and then you just don't do it anymore.
3: Yes. But the, unfortunately, bro, I hate to say this, but the Simpsons tapped out. That's that's how I am with that game. now. I used to log on every day and, and do stuff, and now I barely log on once a week. You know, it, it's sad. But, you know, it's just this. I'm 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 bored of it already. You know, something well, like little game. things. I they'll, love they'll the do little Sim things like the, like the superhero promotion. I came back for a little bit to get some of the costumes, but now it's just you know, it's just my sprinkle just got so big and it's just so much stuff to do. There's so many tasks I have to like do this and do that and so much. Stuff it to became work. I just yeah, it became work than actual fun. Exactly. And you know what? Again, it's the
2: practices. I really can't go into the in app purchases nickel and dime bullshit. I just can't get into games like that anymore. In fact, this is why, I mean, on a positive note, I'm not even a big Doctor Who fan, but I was saying to Dee the other day, I actually found a free-to-play app that was worth giving a couple of dollars to because I actually found developers that are actually genuine and honest, and they don't put you over the bar. because I was bored. Somebody told me I should try this game. I'm like, all right, well, I'm visiting the hospital often, so what the hell? It'll be something to do, so I downloaded it, and it's your typical match-three type game. But actually, it has a really nice twist that you can actually take any piece and move it anywhere. So as you're swiping it around, you're trying to, like, line up other shots. And it's almost like um, what was a puzzle quest where you're fighting enemies. So everything you do affects the enemies, then the enemies turn attacks you and back and forth. And there are purchases you can make, but none of them are necessary. You level up fine. You can level up your characters fine. And basically, the developer said, well, look, I don't want to be assholes about this. So here's a fan area. If you buy these gems for $5, you get access to the fan areas, and you help us. You can play the game without it, but we want to give you a little bit extra if you want to help support our game. It's like, all right, you oh. know what? Fuck it. I'll give you the 5 bucks for that, because that's what I want to pay nice. for an
3: actual game. Yeah. I mean, that does sound like a good concept. See, like, with me now, see, instead of The Simpsons, I'm more into, like, Immortals. Right now. I'm into that shit a little bit right now. I don't play every day, but, like, I'm playing that more than I'm playing The Simpsons now, unfortunately. And I wish The Simpsons Immortals were good. Immortals is a nice time killer. i I, I, I got to say that. See, The Simpsons became work for me, like you know, like I just said. But Immortals is it's a nice little time killer, though. It's not great, but it's, it, it'll do for a mobile game. Well, that's what it is. A
2: mobile game should just be something, honestly, as crude as it sounds, it should be something you whip out on the toilet and you play for five <laughs> to ten minutes or while you're waiting for a bus or while you're waiting to get gas or something like that. It shouldn't be something you play for hours on end. It just should be something that you, you to occupy your time for a little bit. Maybe while a TV show is playing that you're not really into when you're doing it in the background. Are you guys South Park fans? Yeah, yeah actually, I, you know what? That's a show I binge watch. I miss like did, an entire season and then watch like the entire season all at once.
0: Did you see the Freemium Games episode?
2: I've seen clips of it and it's perfect. <laughs> this is, it's basically everything I have said that's wrong. <laughs> Those games on the <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, because on Pickles and Bits, I've railed against it more than once. Only because it's not – look, like I said, the, the game I'm playing now, it's not an evil concept if it's done right. It's just that more people are more interested in how can we piss people off and make them just frustrated enough, make the game just addictive enough but unfun enough that they have to keep paying, but not worry about if the game's fun or not. It's how much can we squeeze our customers for instead? I think the analogy that the best sums it up is it's not, let's make a fun game to make money. Let's just make a game to how, how I fuck that up. It's thinking about, instead of trying to make a fun game, you're trying to make a profitable game instead of why don't we make it both? Like Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. it's an extremely popular game and a very financial success. But they still focus on making a really good game first.
0: Yeah, those games are fun.
2: Whether you like it or not, I mean, they're quality games, and they deserve – when people buy them, they're buying them for a reason. Games like Candy Crush, where you get to pull
3: you up, you die three times, oh, yeah. give us
2: a dollar. I'm, <laughs> <sick of that laughs> I, I, I'm
3: glad to say I'm one of the probably only people that never got into that game. I, I never got into it. it.
2: See, that's why I actually like this one, because Candy Crush, like Bejeweled, never feels like an actual puzzle game to me. Because you can't set anything up. It's just which ones can you swipe that are next to each other? Yeah. There's no strategy involved. At least uh, this or uh, I forget the name of it. It's uh, I want to say Pokemon Puzzle League, but it was actually based on a different game. It's the same game. It's the same kind of puzzle game. Basically, uh, Puzzle Attack, something like that. It doesn't matter. Those games are swiping block puzzles, but you can set up strategies. Like, you try to, all right, I'm going to swipe here, swipe here, swipe here, swipe here, and then when I do this one, I'll get seven combos in a row. And Bejeweled, if you don't have a match to make, you can't make a move at all. So there's no real strategy. It's like, which one, what's, can you find yeah. what's the one to match? It's more like, um, can you match the colors, or, or where it's is it yeah.
3: I think uh, uh, Mario Part is like Tetris, kind of, right? you got to <laughs> have to match... Everything together. I think Mario Party had a similar game like that, too. Yeah,
2: Mario Party had a game similar to that. I wish I could freaking remember it, and I don't want to go on the computer and cheat and look it up.
3: (laughs) It was, like, called, like, the the Mario Block Party or something. It was some shit.
2: It's something like that, because they themed it for Pokemon and for the Nintendo 64, and it was the exact same game. And basically, you're playing against someone else, and it's almost like um, Puzzle Fighter, that the game doesn't end until you defeat the opponent, whether a person or a computer. And there's actually, just like Puzzle Fighter, there's actually strategy in that game. And I feel like Bejeweled and Candy Crush and all of those, there's no actual strategy to it. Yeah. Although we've already talked about, like, the worst offender, that um, dungeon keeper. That was the biggest insult of gaming. I
3: I stay away from that shit, too. Oh, that was, we won't, Yeah.
2: I'm getting, getting a little bit
3: off track, so I think we should probably. Just, yeah, we we, we, went we, all, we, we we we're creating our own uh, mini show here. With, with yeah, that, well,
2: show. thank you for coming to this uh, preemptive edition. There's a special edition of Pixels and Bits.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, everybody, next episode, our first official episode of the History of Disney, we're going to focus on the very first feature-length Disney animated feature cartoon, and that's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So, any final words, JD, Mr. Eddie? I think I've said enough. <laughs> yeah, I think you have. JD?
0: <laughs> I'm just excited to, to start watching these movies again. Me too,
3: man. We're going to have a lot of fun, too. So with that, on behalf of JD, on behalf of Mr. Eddie, I'm SportsCraft515. That'll do it for Force Respective, episode 58. Next episode, 59, we'll be back with Adolfo. And next episode of History of Disney, we'll start our road with Snow White and the Seven Doors. So until next time, take care, everybody. Steamboat Itchy
2: Roger Myers Sr., the gentle genius behind Itchy and Scratchy, loved and cared about almost all the peoples of the world, and he, in return, was beloved by the world, except in 1938 when he was criticized for his controversial
3: cartoon, Nazi Supermen Are Our Superiors. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?